Right, boys. That's my five. Oh, go. Right. Thanks for joining me today. No, Jay, because uh, he doesn't play real video games. So, um, for those who don't know, I've got two L's and a Ted joining us today. This is L. This is this your debut on the on the podcast? Uh, yeah, because you didn't publish the other episode that we did. <laughs> that, what? That's the Star Wars one, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's not part of this this podcast, but that's fine. And then we okay. have El Foley, who is El's childhood friend, also called El, but now called Foley. How's it going? All right, thanks. All good. All good. Glad to be on the show. Good, good, good. It's really weird, isn't it? Because we've been talking for twenty minutes, and now we have to act like we haven't been talking for twenty minutes. It's fucking we weird, we talking about we we haven't been, we haven't been talking. We talking about. Oh right, yeah, yeah. What's yeah. on TV? On TV, when you know they go up to someone's house and they open the door and go, "Oh, hello! Oh, so and so! Oh, funny you're here! Like, oh yeah, welcome! Come in, come in!" As if like they've you know that they've just got to the house, but there's already a cameraman behind the door filming them as they come in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. behind them, opening the door, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Literally, and we've, we've probably only got 20 minutes left on Zoom anyway in this session, but nonetheless. Um, and last but not least, Ted, how's it going? Good, good, thanks, Nick. Good, good. I, I will admit, I, I played God of War at Christmas, so hopefully it was good enough for me to remember most of it. <laughs> yes, well, look, I recently finished Ragnarok, hence this recording. And as Ted said, I think, to be honest with you, mate, I'm imagining once we dive in and get to it, a bit of that muscle memory and a bit more about the story might come back to you if it was good enough to remember, perhaps. Um, But I'm sure it will come back to you as we talk about it. Elle, you played it when it came out as well, didn't you? By the way, Foley, I'll call you Foley just to let you know, just to make it clear. Yeah, sound. You played it when Uh, it came out, didn't you, Elle? Yeah, I had to watch a a story recap video before this meeting as well. (laughs) Just to remember, <laughs> <Fucking hell. laughs> Jesus. Fair play for doing the research. I, I knew, I knew. Yeah, well, I had to. I just thought I need to watch something just to be like, yeah, that definitely happened. Yeah, that definitely happened. Oh yeah, I forgot. I sort of forgot that actually happened. But yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So look, the, for those who don't know, obviously, certain games, certain times, certain events, we'll do a little, a little special. We call it so basically a whole episode about that game or the event, whatever it might be. Obviously, in this case, it's Ragnarok. I don't really give a shit. It's like eight, nine months after it came out. I played it now, and that's why we're recording it now. And frankly, I think if you know we all want to talk about it as much as we do, I, I know I want to talk about it. Then it'll stand up for itself. So whatever it doesn't matter to me um one thing i want to do before we we really get into spoilers is just give those people who are listening an opportunity to get your opinions on the game and man there's just so much to discuss i don't know where to start i think there's going to be a lot of comparisons to god of war 2018 in this discussion and i think there will be some some differing opinions here which is great right but I've I've looked at some reviews online that have basically sort of argued that we shouldn't necessarily compare this to 2018 because, you know, it's, it's the second part of a saga. It's the ending to a story, something like that. Now, I think there's an argument against that argument, but I don't want to dive into it here. All I'm going to ask you guys, if it's all right, is 
just to give your your memory at least of what your general thoughts were coming away after finishing Ragnarok. So you don't have to give me like, you know, 20 minutes on, on detailed thoughts, a snapshot on your overall, what your gut feel was after you finished it, basically. Um, we'll dive. I've got a little, I've got a little agenda here for us all. Um, just some key points to go through. We don't have to keep it that structured, but it's just in case we get a bit lost and there's some things that I definitely want to talk about. So that's it, really. So let's start with you, Ted. So your main thoughts after finishing Ragnarok, what what were your main thoughts? And if we can keep it spoiler-free, that'd be great, and then we can dive in afterwards. thought it was masterfully written and very well-produced very polished probably the prime example of what a video game should be which alas a lot are not uh i don't know if it resonated with me the same as the first one did whether that's just because it was the first one and this was the second so you kind of already knew what to expect but i'd arguably say it, it is one of the best games ever made overall not just the story or the voice acting of the you know the sequences but also the graphics as well certain parts of the game well particularly the i can't remember which um which world it is but the uh where freya and um vanaheim vanaheim yeah so parts of vanaheim looked almost lifelike you know the water and reflections and what i remember so, uh, yeah, in a nutshell, a generation-defining game, perhaps, uh, and probably the precedent for other future single-player story-driven games going forward. Sick. I forgot to say as well, Ted is also a childhood friend of Al. Sorry, Ted. <laughs> um, Foley, yeah. give, us your, give us your thoughts. Oh, I mean... Pretty much the same, really. I I enjoyed it more than 2018. Um, I don't know if that's controversial, but um, I did struggle to get into it a little bit and for the first third of the game. But once I got past that first third, I couldn't put it down. Um, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. I think uh, you know, same comments as Ted, really, really well written. Graphics were incredible. Um, a really good, well-rounded game in all aspects. Um, from story quests, you know, uh, just the world themselves. So, um, left me thinking at the end of the game, I want another one. You know, I'm ready for another one. Not, not yet. You know, I mean, but give it a couple general. of years, I'll be ready for another God of War. Yeah. yeah. Um. Awesome. So yeah. Cool. All right, and um, L. I think well, we are obviously brothers, so I think we'll be fairly aligned because we usually are with these things. But um, give us your your take, your honest take on how you felt after you finished it. Uh, it's hard, hard to be honest because after watching the recap video, I feel differently about it. So, uh, how did you feel before the recap? So, you obviously watched the recap <laughs> for this. What did you feel yeah. like before the recap and after watching it? I thought the re initially when I played it, I thought graphically, like everyone said, it's amazing, it's up there. The characters, the animation, everything was perfect, I think. I think there was maybe a little bit too many new characters in some instances, but still very good. 
I did like the story. I think it was the way it played out was different and not necessarily a great different. And I think I think too much happened. And it was it was a good game, but I prefer the twenty eighteen God of War experience than and this so, than this Ragnarok. So and so what 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 changed after you watched the recap video then? Did did you After what after watching the recap I realized how much actually happened. Oh okay. Sure. And just just because a lot happened didn't doesn't mean that it it was a good game. Don't get me wrong, I'm I'm glad I got to see all nine realms and and all of these elements that we'll we'll talk about probably, but I just felt like wow, we we went through a lot in that second game compared to that first one. For actually not for a great finale either, if I'm honest. Okay, cool. Thank you. So I'll I'll finish with my thoughts, and then um, those listening who haven't played Ragnarok who want to play it and experience it for themselves, please feel free. I'll try and keep it as as, as broad as possible. But in and look, boys, I know I'm f- fresh off the presses with this, you know. But uh, I am I'm more aligned with L on this one in that it's so difficult, isn't it? It's definitely the game you want to buy and play from our perspective, right? Growing up with the PS2, PS3, whatever, this is exactly the sort of game, unless you guys disagree, that we want to fucking play. A single player, 30 to 40 hour incredible experience with memorable moments, many memorable moments, and actually I would argue more in the side quest than the main story, but we'll get onto it. And I think that, you know, acting, phenomenal, graphics, unbelievable. Mm. And yet, I'd I'd be genuinely lying to you all if I didn't say that I felt disappointed when the credits rolled. And I don't mean that from any of the stuff I've talked about there, but from a story perspective. And I think story, for me at least, has become more and more important for games only because they're getting so good you know uh, in a way i almost played through last of us part two to experience the story not to play the game because it's that fucking good but i know it's a game i get that but that's just Mm. my experiences so i do think that rolling credits i was genuinely a little bit disappointed um and i think that's because of the build-up and the experience of 2018 and I remember us all talking about theories about this game and the way the story could play out and the way the characters could develop and what might happen. And I think that in all of that discussion and build up, I don't really feel like they maybe delivered what I was looking for from a story perspective, even though all those amazing things we talked about. So maybe I'm just becoming a spoiled brat. And if it's not a 12 out of 10, I'm I don't like it. I don't know. We can we can debate it, but yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at. So definitely, definitely play it. If you're a fan of single player games, definitely play it. I just I genuinely if someone, you know, if someone said, Nick, did you like it more than twenty eighteen? Or did you enjoy it more? Or did you like the ending? No, I didn't, to be honest. But that's just me. 
So, um, so let's go straight in spoilers. So for those who don't want it, cut off, go away, leave now. Giving you plenty of notice. We've given you plenty of notice. There's a lot of things to um, talk about in this game, boys. I'm tempted to actually start at the ending, frankly. Um, but I'll take your feedback on where you guys want to start. Because there's just so much to dive into, isn't there, really? I think we should stick with story to begin with. So we don't talk about gameplay. We don't talk about maybe graphics as much and music and all the rest of it. Maybe we should just stick with story for now. Um, what I want to know from you guys is... Um, let, yeah, let's start with the ending. Because me and Al didn't really appreciate the ending as much as maybe we hoped for. Fucking hell, I don't even know where to start. Jesus Christ. You... Well, I'll, I'll... So, please, so please, please. The thing you also have to remember is that the game is all based, so, well, not exactly, but it's largely based on real Norse mythology. And if you read the, the actual stories, so I've, I've read Norse mythology by Neil Gaiman, and he just kind of retells old Norse tales in his own kind of way. And it all largely happened as it should have happened to to a degree, you know. So Thor is supposed to die. Odin is supposed to die. All the gods are supposed to die, apart from, ironically, Boulder, who in proper Norse mythology is resurrected from hell and starts a new world. And Boulder in the in the books is, well, sorry, in actual Norse mythology, is a really nice god and everyone loves him, whereas in the game he's a, he's a bit of a douchebag. So, mm. so... Part of the story really is actually reflected in proper Norse stuff. So if they'd have rewritten it too much, you could argue, well, what's the you know, you're not following Norse mythology at all. So it'd be interesting to know what you guys found disappointing about the ending. Because to be honest, I in terms of the story, I don't think I'd have changed much at all, really. Mm. If anything, it was more of a disappointment that Kratos survived. Because I'd I'd have preferred Kratos to perhaps have died and then have been some consequence to it, and you'd have felt sort of really disappointed and a bit heartbroken almost maybe. Whereas, oh, do you mind if oh god sorry? Because Kratos and Loki both walk out of it, you know, like all action films where they get beaten <laughs> up and you know explosion, they just walk out and they're fine. It kind of felt a bit like oh, well there wasn't really that much. It felt it felt like the rest of the game didn't have so much significance to me anyway. Yeah, L, do you it mind kind of... if I um, if do you mind if I go first? Just because I'm dying to get this information out of my head, but it's your call. Yeah, no, I, 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 the thing is, I agree with Ted there. I think it's just the end battle that I was expecting more. That's all I'm going to say on that. I'm not saying how the ending played out. I'm just saying when we got to Ragnarok. I was expecting a bigger battle, but that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so we got to say, Nick. So, I can appreciate there's going to be specifics in this, Ted. There, you're going to be like, "Well, I don't remember that, Nick, probably." But um, the way it paced out, I thought, was very strange. So, <laughs> like, it's almost like one of those things, right? Where if you were like, "Tell me the story of Ragnarok," okay, so Ragnarok's here. Thor and Odin visit Kratos and Atreus. They then... Um, hold on. They then sort of try... They find a tear. We'll talk about that later, obviously. Then 
Atreus gets angry because he thinks Owen can teach him stuff. So he goes to Asgard. He then decides he doesn't want to be there. Then they go and try and recruit more people to fight Odin, but not fight Odin because they're fulfilling fate. But they don't want to fulfill fate, but they can't help it because of their nature. Then there's a lot of stuff about nature and fighting fate. And then we find out, obviously, Odin um, trickster all along, as it were, in a kind of Loki manner, ironically. And um, and then they go and kill Thor and Odin. And like, don't get me wrong, I know I'm simplifying that way too fucking much. I, I appreciate that. But, like, it was... Um, I think the the bits that were disappointing in the ending, as Elle said, was more the execution, I'd say, in that, for me, the twist of Odin being Tyr, I was like, this is what it's about, people. Moments mm. like that, I'm like, give it to me. Moments where Atreus and Kratos reunite and Atreus finally appreciates you know, how much his dad loves him and protects him and all the rest of it. Those moments are fantastic. But I think that, to your point, Ted, about Norse mythology, I was actually hoping they put more of a twist on it, if, if I'm honest with you. And um, because the whole game's about fate and fighting fate... I missed a trick there. Well, I told Al about. I missed a trick there where I didn't really understand, like, what was happening in terms of the whole thing is that Kratos is going to die, right? That that's kind of the game setup. The game setup is the giants have already predicted this. They've got everything right so far. They knew nine eleven was going to happen. <laughs> They've predicted everything. Kratos is going to die, and then Kratos doesn't die. And actually, in the end scene, there's a sort of shot with Atreus, with Odin in Atreus's arms after they've killed him. A bit like how the giants foresee, foresaw Kratos dying in Atreus's arms on the on the wall in the in the is it giant wood? And and that didn't happen. And it was a bit like I'm not really sure why it didn't happen. It was only until I analysed it afterwards and looked at some YouTube videos that I think I understand what they were going with there. But um, there was points in the pacing where I thought, I don't know where this is going. And there were so many different trails going on, as Elle said, and so many different characters that I think they balance the characters okay, and I get they're building to a big battle at the end. But um, I think it, there was too many trails that didn't go anywhere. So I'll give you an example. Um, the mask and the portal, I get that there were supposed to be answers behind it, right? And Loki decides that, well, I don't need those answers. I choose to be Atreus. I kind of get that metaphor. But on the other hand, I'm thinking, what the fuck? What? Where, where's the mask come from? Where's the portal come from? How? What? It? What? Did the giants make it? And again, I think we can appreciate that all this context might be because there's a third secret game. So, I, you know, respect if that's the case. Um, Loki being called Loki... I'm not entirely sure we got the f final conclusion to, to that, really, in terms of, you know, we see him learning to lie in this game. And you're like, fucking hell, he's really manipulating people here. Like, is he actually a manipulator? Does he care about anyone? Um, but I don't feel like we really get a, got a conclusion to, to that and his, his legacy with the Giants. I think there's also a bit with, you know, his animal transformations being a part of his power. I know we see it a lot and I know that it plays a part, but again, I, I don't, you know, I wanted a bit more there, I think. And um, 
I think ultimately, with Thor's arc, you know, seeing seeing him die, even by Odin's hand, was shocking. But I was a bit like, they've done an incredible job here of making us feel empathetic and sympathetic for uh, for Thor, despite everything we learned about him in 2018, which is an amazing feat. And actually, his, his arc would have been amazing if if you you know, instead of dropping the hammer, you just see him swing it and he kills Odin. And maybe some people would have been disappointed that we never fight Odin, but I thought that would have been fucking amazing. Oh, we're running out of time. Um, but I know I'm, I'm yabbering on here, but in, look, to answer your question, Ted, in terms of the ending, I think like Elle says, I wasn't necessarily disappointed that we, you know, we fought Thor and we fought Odin, but there's bits of the music, even in the last battle, where it, like it's going bad. You know, when like I don't know if you remember when when the gates are getting destroyed and closed, and you're like, "Fucking hell, this isn't going to go the way we think it's going to go," and then it kind of does. And then I think you also, I'm sure you guys agree that I was convinced that time is going to play a part in this fucking game, and it didn't at all. I was convinced that like, oh, we're going to lose this battle. It's going to go 40 years in the future. A trace is going to be Odin's apprentice, and then we turn it all back and we save Kratos or whatever. Um, uh, Avengers, Avengers, um, end game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm probably saying too many points here, so I'll stop now. But I hope that kind of gives you something to think and respond to, Ted, and Foley, if you like. I don't think I thought that deeply into it. Really, I was kind of following what I knew would happen, largely with the Norse stories and it's like yeah. when Heimdall blows his horn that's the, that is the beginning of Ragnarok and when sure. he dies and whatever sure and then and I quite liked the way they creatively changed because in like in the actual stories Loki uh, has his children with a giant which is hell which is the sort of ghoulish weird girl that they then send to the underworld and she becomes goddess of the underworld and then there's of course the world serpent Yemen Gander and then Fenrir the the wolf. So like Fenrir the wolf was his original wolf and he kept it the soul inside or spirit inside that marble, mm. didn't it? Whatever it was. Uh, the da- then, I think it was the dagger. The dagger. Dagger, that's it. And then he implants yeah, yeah, it yeah. in a giant wolf. So like in I thought that was quite clever because in, in just Norse stuff, the wolf is just a cub and it just grows and grows and grows and grows and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Um so that was yeah. quite clever. And then the way the world serpent becomes the world serpent is the snake in Ironwood, in, in uh, Jotunheim. And then he, he yeah he uses the giant soul, doesn't he, which is in that marble thing, and then puts it in the snake. And I said to Elle at the time, I was like, I bet that's the world serpent because he's yeah. just put a giant in a snake. And, of course, it does become the world serpent, doesn't it, because it grows. Because the, the other thing, isn't it? Doesn't Thor hit the world serpent? No, the world serpent <laughs> magically appears, doesn't it? Out of nowhere, in yeah. The final... So I think um, the I can't remember her name. The other giant, the the girl, she brings it through because Fen that Fenrir can open portals. She brings that snake through the portal from Ironwood, and then fights Thor, I believe. And then doesn't Thor hit it really hard, and then it the and then it yeah. appears and goes back in time or whatever. But L, to... I'm gonna L. You gotta say something about that because what do you mean? It's like one of the biggest moments of both games and it just fucking happens. And then we get Mimir telling us about it after you finish it. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? 
that's the payoff we get for that. Like it just happens. It just happens at the side of the screen, and you're like, oh, and they vanish, and you're like, oh. guess that. Guess that's that. Yeah, it's that. Yeah. So it's a bit like, oh, that's quite a pivotal moment in Norse mythology, and it was just it just happened in the middle of Ragnarok as a two second clip, and I was a bit like. Mm, it's a bit disappointing. But it did has to not... happen. Yeah. Did you not think so, Ted? Did you not? Were you not? I guess you found it cool. I guess. Uh, to be honest, I can't remember how long it lasted or what happened. To be, it was I played this long ago, but now nah, fair enough. But but then again, how long would it take to to hit a giant snake really hard and send it back through time? I mean, it would happen pretty quick, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was just, it was just such a tease when we meet the snake as and Atreus as a boy, and he's like, "Oh, you look familiar." Do you know what I mean? It, it, I just thought it was a a tease to something bigger. That's all. Yeah, I suppose in some ways it was after the first game, everyone was was convinced that there was going to be differences in time between the the realms, and that's why all the giants were dead at the end of the of the game, and that it had something to do with Ragnarok, and that we're going to use time travel and all this so maybe that's why there's some slight disappointment that it didn't play out like that and it mm. kind of it kind of it happened almost as as is it exact things you would have expected really. in a yep. boring way i suppose that and i think that's what me oh. and Alf felt as well go on fairly go on chime in what oh i thought I, you, I I thought you I wanted to chime in no. i thought sorry no i wasn't no I, I will chime in actually no thinking about it i i think the game played out exactly how i thought it was going to play out isn't that disappointing? Yeah, yeah which I a guess little is... bit, but uh, yeah, hmm. I think a little bit. But that's... when you say played, you know, I expected it. Do you mean that you knew you'd have to kill Odin? Yeah, I knew. I mean, when you, as soon as you saw Odin and Thor, I thought it would be either a big battle between one of those two, and I knew you'd walk away from it. You know, I didn't think there'd be any point where you would die or Atreus would pass away or. Anybody else, anyone really that major that you'd get that upset about? You know, I, I thought it played out just the way I thought it was going to. About Brock, oh, I forgot about that. But yes, that's correct. <laughs> um, he, I mean, that that's a shame, obviously. But um, and he was a great character. But obviously, they want to make money, don't they? So they're going to make God of War three. They don't want to kill Kratos off just yet. The story isn't interesting enough. Atreus is not interested enough to carry that if Kratos were to die. I think, um, Kratos, I think... Uh, the Atreus missions are some of the worst parts of it, from my in my opinion. Oh wow! See, I thought the trips to Asgard yeah. Foley. I thought they weren't maybe as exciting, but I thought seeing the perspective of the Asgardians was fantastic because we got a bit more sympathy for. I told Al, mm -hmm. you know, you, you look, you own comes across as such a nice guy in this game until like pretty much the very end. So I think that's quite clever. Well, it's just you can see through that, really. It's all just manipulation, isn't it? He's just yeah. trying to manipulate um, Atreus into doing, you know, guiding him the right way to doing what he wants him to do, and find those pieces of the mask and all that. But you know, I, as I said before, it played out exactly how I thought it was going to play out. Um, like you know, you kill bad guy at the end and you win, and everyone's all right. You know, they've got to make. I said they're going to make a third one, aren't they? Clearly, so. Yeah, do you? Do we think? Go on, go on, please, please. I don't think they will make a third one. No, okay. Well, if they do, it'll just be Atreus, won't it? And it'll be Atreus perhaps going to another land somewhere. Perhaps. Yeah. Finding all the giants 
Foley's well, as as Foley Bruce. said, with with the with the best will in the world, I do I can't see Atreus leading a game, and I think that Kratos' mm. character arc in this game is more powerful than Atreus's, even though Atre- you could argue Atreus is the main character in the fucking game. Um, yeah, I. I Ted, do you think that they didn't kill Kratos just just for this reason? Ultimately, for, you know, for a future potential game, or well, I mean, what else is there to do? I mean, him and Freya potentially might, you know, get married or something, and start a new lineage and a new legacy. But but the Norse story is over. All the Norse gods mm. are gone. That what else yeah. is there to do other than they moved to Japan? And and start pissing off all the gods there, and kill all of those gods, <laughs> or they go to Egypt and kill all the Egyptian gods, because that's the yeah. theme. It's all the god of war games, he kills all the gods. So he's taking down the Greek uh, pantheon, killed all those gods, and he's taking out the Norse gods. It's like the the, the god rampage tour, really, isn't it? Kratos' yeah. yeah. rampage tour of just destroying gods. Everything. Yeah. Kratos is on a world tour of destruction. Actually, because of the events of this, he's almost ch- he's almost turned over a leaf. So I know he killed. I know he killed Heimdall. And he didn't really want to do it. He tried to prevent himself from doing it, but that's that. He didn't kill Thor. That was like his turning point. So I know that's sort of his his character arc, but it's almost like even that arc is over now. Yeah, so exactly. So, uh, wh- where would they make a third game? You know, exactly. Yeah, exactly. it's like there's there's no <laughs> third game. Bryce can't carry it. I'm sure it'd be interesting to find out what happened, but I don't think we're ever going to find out. And I think that's it. If I'm honest, if that's true, then um, yeah, I think there's some marks here that like I think it's great that Kratos finishes it. Actually, for, for to be honest with you, I think Kratos has the best character arc in the whole game. I know he's the main character, so to speak. But I um I genuinely think he, he has the best arc in that he he by the end of the game you actually want to hang out with him he's not a complete dickhead you know and I'm being dramatic about that but at the end of the first game he becomes tolerable a tolerable father and at the end of this game he becomes like a genuine dare I say human being right in his interactions and his care for people those around him. And they obviously talk about how the Giants foresee him as not Kratos the Destroyer, but Kratos the Rebuilder. But he's going to rebuild, mm. help rebuild the realms. And it's like, that's a fantastic character. Um, but yeah, like, I'm not even sure. Okay, Atreus goes to find some more Giants. But even that, I'm like, we got we got hints that Odin and Thor hated the Giants, but we never really knew why. We never really found out why they, why Thor loved killing giants and again we never really found out where loki's name originated from really and why he's called that and to some extent so if it's the case that there is only two games i'm genuinely a little bit like oh really do you know what i mean well, i wanted a complete like Mwah. well i think but that's for you to go and explore yourself and go read the stories and and do some kind of digging i suppose well, Ted, because, I've listened to Neil Gaiman. Actually, I'll have you know, because you know the the po- point of the game isn't to to explain the whole lineage of Norse mythology, I guess, or why 
certain people don't like certain people why certain characters have certain relationships i guess and i think that's it's fair. Not that but it's not really that relevant to the story either i mean the reason they don't like the giants is because the giants were far more intelligent than the the Aesir, really the giants had better technology and and they had their magic as well didn't they didn't they, don't the giants have a certain types of magic well they are and the other thing as well is that odin's obsessed with knowledge isn't he right so odin hangs himself from a tree to get uh knowledge on the world tree and then he he then gouges out his own eye and puts it into mimir's well to be all all seeing the all father whatever and yeah. he hates the fact that the giants can have have the power of foresight and he doesn't because he's obviously he's obsessed isn't he with with why they exist or mm. why the world is what it is which is why he wants to use the mask at the end so yeah. that's that's part of the reason why they dislike the giants no fair enough fair enough um yeah i get your point ted i guess in contrast to that though even though there were elements that weren't explained, I felt like 2018 was a bit more of a complete story, at least with th those characters. And I know there was less characters, but that's how, that's how I felt about it. Well, I think the end of 2018 as well left intrigue, didn't it, as to what was going to happen True. next. Because, you, because throughout the whole game, there's a mystery as to who Odin is and who Thor is and what they look like. Because you only ever hear stories from Amir. So it leaves this element of mystery and suspense throughout the whole game and you yeah. kind of wonder why is the world like this and why are they so nasty and you know what they sound so terrible and you you, you want to know what they look like and why you know what what, what happened to the giants what happened to tear why did he disappear and all these questions left uh, in a weird way i'd liken it to almost the star wars the force awakens everyone after that film was really excited about the the next film and really enjoyed that film because it left so many questions and you you were left at the end burning like oh, who are these characters why is it you know or, you know why are they the way they are and what what's going to happen next so so it's I think it's also an element of nostalgia even I know it's only twenty eighteen it wasn't that long ago but I think there's an an element of that as well comes into play but. You know, the first game leaves lots of questions. Yeah. Whereas the second game, you, you find all the answers, so it's not as interesting, perhaps. Yeah. There's no questions yeah. now, is there? Well, I think there's a few, but I get, I get what you mean, Foley. I get what you mean. Foley, did you... I guess to go to somewhere else, because I can, I can, you know, I can see, I can see that we, we have to agree to disagree. Um, Foley... You mentioned the first third of the game. I think it'd be criminal if we didn't all talk about the fact that the first 10 hours of this game is fucking unbearable. Are you kidding me? The first bit, the first hour, with the battle with Thor and Freya and the bear is fucking incredible. And then we go into the mines for about six fucking hours and it is unbearable. Talk about not having answers. I mean, I felt like I didn't have answers for 30 hours of this game. But anyway, Foley, please tell us about your experience with that because I, I think it was awful, personally. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not there. I don't start games too quick anyway in general. So I remember saying to these two, I struggled with it initially. Um, again, you know, once I got past, funny enough, once I got past the mine bit and we'd find tier, 
that's when I started. I thought, well, the game's actually getting a bit interesting now. You know, things are actually starting to pick up and you start exploring other realms. Um, I think you visit, oh, quite, oh God, you have to f- forgive me. I think it's Vanaheim you visit next, straight after that, potentially. I can't remember. Um, but, you know, things start to get really interesting at that point. Um, but you are right, it's a bit of a slog getting through there. Um, once you get back out, once you get out of it, yeah, um, I, things started to pick up. But, uh, I said, I said, I struggled with the first game for the first 10 hours. I struggled with a lot of Fair. games for the first five or 10 hours and feel like until I really find myself sort of enjoying it and getting into the story and getting into the, the characters. Believe it or not, I, had, I struggled to start the first 10 hours in The Witcher 3. And then once I got into it, I couldn't put the game down. So maybe that's just me, but, you know, it's definitely the same in, in, in Ragnarok. It was, um, yeah, as you say, as soon as you got out of the mines, it started to get a bit interesting at that point. But to be to be fair, to be yeah. fair, me and El have said it many a time. I think until out in the first game, I think until you reach Alfheimer, there is a bit of a slog there. So I won't, you know, I won't deny that. Um, El, what do you? Well, what is El, the what, what is the sorry sorry Nick? What is the realm after? I can't remember the, what the realm is after the um, after, after you... Tyr, Svartalheim. Yeah. So you rescue. I'm pretty. Oh, sure it is Svartalheim. Svartalheim. Right. Wait. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you go to Spartalheim. It is, it is Spartalheim itself, isn't it? The mines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's and right. Then, and then after that, oh, I don't know the. I want. I want to say Vanaheim. L. You gave me Vanaheim, didn't you? After that, pretty yeah, sure. yeah. I thought so. Oh, sorry, Alice, yeah. not kicking in. What are you saying? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. You, I'm pretty sure you go to Alfenheim, which is where the elves are, to see the lights. Yes. Right, oh, yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you go. I remember, you, I remember you telling me don't get sidetracked and do any side quests just yet, and I did exactly that. So, <laughs> speaking of answering questions, what do we all think about the look of Thor and Odin specifically, and Heimdall, I suppose? But Thor and Odin, uh, what did you think about their look? They're far, like initially. Uh, if you look at popular culture, you've only obviously got Chris Hemsworth to go off. Um, like Ted's told me, it's a lot more like Norse mythology, so I can appreciate that. Odin, again, I wasn't expecting any different to what he looks like. Um, he looks a lot more like the voice actor, who's the guy from uh, Jurassic Park 2. And I think the, the look of him, fine. Tyr, Heimdall all of them everyone else looks incredible freya for the um your wife i think her name's freya as well i can't quite remember hey that's it Faye. um all the you know ca- new characters we saw the mermaid that creates that spear the uh the hags under the ocean everything every character every character looked amazing there's no denying that uh but odin's voice initially was a bit I was I wasn't sucked into it straight away. I was a bit like, I don't know if that suits what I think Odin should sound like. Um, but it, was, it grew on me after a while. But yeah, yeah, because um, Boulder and Thor have this transit. They call it a transatlantic accent, which I think the actors put on. But I think it's amazing. But like you say, and then Richard Schiff comes in the actor. <laughs> it's just like, oh, that's Toby from the West Wing. Okay, uh, looks like Toby from the West Wing. But anyway, um, what uh, guys? What did you think about the look of Thor and Odin? Thor was spot on really with how Thor should be because Thor always was kind of like a fat, overweight, drunk, thick, stupid 
god he was only really useful with with his hammer he was just the the god's muscle so i thought thor looked great odin i thought was a bit weird with the short hair and the new york kind of accent just yeah. didn't yeah. the game very much and i thought thor uh sorry odin would look a bit more like gandalf or dumbledore or someone with kind yeah. of like a Long, bigger beard. Like, big beard or like longer hair or something. Yeah, something. great big bushy Great big bushy beard. Yeah. Foley? Yeah, or, oh, sorry. Sorry, Ted. Sorry. But but uh, I don't know. I suppose in hindsight, maybe because uh, he was quite sharp-witted and all-knowing, maybe having the shorter hair and whatever and the kind of snappy voice makes sense but his uh, his voice just doesn't seem to fit the rest of the characters in the game probably mm, agreed everyone else is fairly neutral or nordic sounding and then you get this kind of new yorker come along you know mm. it's just a bit weird yeah yeah totally i mean i liked thor i thought thor was really good I thought it was really, but when I was expecting to see Odin, I didn't expect to see that. So that was very surprising when I, when they, when you first re, they first revealed Odin. Is, anyway, um, back in uh, Midgard, you first get him revealed. I was about like, well, that's Odin. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with Ted. His character, yeah. his voice doesn't really fit the rest of it. But his character was clever. I think it was it was good to make him as witty and as intelligent and manipulative as he is, or as he was. Um, so I, I like that bit a bit that bit about it, but and I but about that I thought Thor was was uh, spot on as well. Yeah, I I agree actually. Um, like you guys, as soon as Owen walked through the door, I said to Elle, I was like, as soon as you walk through the door, because we're obviously curious, right? We're curious about the design of these characters. Oh yeah, of course. And their spin on them. And I was like, oh fuck, I was not expecting that. Um, mm. for good and bad maybe. And I think that first scene, the accent throws me off. But after that, I think I got used to it. But what I will say about um, about Thor and Boulder is that I genuinely think those two characters are probably my favourites in both games, apart from, you know, Kratos, maybe. Because um, I've got this thing where, like, every few years, I'll probably go on YouTube and look up all the cutscenes of Boulder. And then I'll probably do the same with Thor in the next few years, just because I think that performance is unbelievable. And I know everyone's performance here is unreal. Chris Judge spe specifically for Kratos is is next level. But um, I just ah, oh, I I don't think there's enough Thor. I mean, do you guys agree that I mean Al said like, do you guys agree that all right, fair enough, Foley? You say Atreus' bit where you we play as him is, is weak mm -hmm. for you. But going around with Thor in these realms, was that not fucking sick for you guys? Or oh, I thought it was sick. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a good fight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from memory, it was quite cool going around with him, kind of getting to know a bit more about him, I suppose. What, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. All the time and, well, sort of depressed, isn't he, really? Right. He's an alcoholic. He's an alcoholic. Like that's his story. Yeah, and he, but he's 
Odin, in a way, wants him to be an alcoholic. Because he controls him. Yeah, to control him and manipulate him and just say, go out and do this for me. You know, you're pathetic and worthless. You know, who are you? You know, and that's his arc, isn't it? I suppose he comes round it by the end, doesn't he? He stands up for himself. Absolutely. Sorry, Fowler, were you going to you gonna say something? I wasn't, no. I was um, agreeing. That's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, I, I love Thor and Boulder, both of them, so much. Um, and obviously we have that comparison, right, of the first fight in each game or first boss fight or whatever is the two brothers, Boulder and Thor. Um, I, I think, um, obviously, the bit with the axe and the hammer me and the frozen lightning sick um as well in regards to atreus we, did we all we all pretty much thought we were going to play as him for this game because that was a massive reveal for me because I, obviously I, I hadn't got any spoilers so when you know the camera turns and you're like i'm like fuck what did you guys think uh i don't know i don't know who wants to go first but Is it right? I'll, yeah crack on foley go on no it was all right i think again i said I thought he was they were my least favorite parts of the game. Um, I felt like I knew we were going to play as him eventually, or at least get a couple of goes at him. And um, but the fact you actually got a proper good on, you know, actual combat system with Atreus. Mm. Um, I didn't mind those aspects, but his combat was good. But I just didn't like what I don't know his his. And I, I don't know why I'm saying that because his parts of this, what when you played as him were actually some of the most. Um, parts where they actually really developed the story and moved it forward you know some of those bits he was doing with Odin and then him and Thor kind of almost teaming up uh Muspelheim I believe it is um you know the, the lava the lava realm um you know that was like some of those moments of the bits where they and you know his, his Thor's daughter they actually really progressed the story um but I think I was just being a bit picky at the time perhaps but I think I just preferred the Kratos combat the Kratos part of it but you know that's my that's my take anyway of course i preferred loki's sorry tress well loki tress i preferred his combat because it was more flexible and agile and some of his moves were really quite powerful uh, and the bow was quite quite a fun weapon to use but i think think with most single player games that i play when you have to play as another character other than the main character you get i'm just frustrated anyway no, it's not even a thing exclusive to this game. I think in any game that I've played where you then do a mission as, as a side character or someone else, you just you kind of want that level to be over because you want to go back to the main the main character again. So which I felt slightly with some of Atreus's levels. You just want to go back to Kratos because Kratos is the main guy and, and he overall is the better character to play as and he's the main protagonist. So you feel like playing a side mission to me is well not a side mission but an atreus level is almost just like a distraction from what you want to really be doing but yeah. but then as you say some of his levels did actually progress the story far more than anything you'd have been doing with kratos and i, I thought the ironwood level with the giant girl and angraboda who yeah. actually in in the Norse stories is the giant who gives birth to the world serpent and everything like that. But obviously they, they write it in a slightly less grotesque way in this game. Um, Do you want child porn? No, no. <laughs> I thought graphically 
that particular sequence was exceptional that that stuck in my mind i can't i mean i, I vaguely remember what you do there but i do remember graphically thinking at the time this is like fantastic yeah ironwood is um graphically impressive i just felt it went on a little bit too longer than it too long than it should have um but i i remember i thought i'm definitely gonna play as atreus I didn't think I'd play it as much as we did, which isn't a, a terrible thing. Like Ted says, sometimes when you go off to a side character, you're a bit like, okay, let's see what this guy can do or whatever. But I tell you what, I did actually prefer sometimes. I preferred playing as Kratos, but having Freya at my, as my sidekick rather than mm. Atreus. She was stronger in some ways, I felt. Yeah, I think so. I preferred it when it was me and Fred. I think that's fair to be fair, Al. Did Going you guys? Around. Did you guys expect, or Al? Did you expect her to become a sidekick? Like, did you know where she was no. going to go? In the no. Uh, well, I thought obviously, as as the end of twenty eighteen, she hates you, and even in the opening scene for Gragnock, you're like, she's still pissed, obviously, and <laughs> you um, <laughs> you obviously, you know, you thought. There's got to be, you know, you're, you're both aiming for the same outcome. You both sort of want Odin dead. So it's a bit like, sharp woman, come join me in this fight. And I thought it's going to happen. But to be having Freya alongside you was was pretty fun, I, I felt. Um, but yeah, so, yeah, some of the trace bits were long and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. I did think Freya would only be a temporary thing for like one level i didn't i didn't expect her to be a permanent sidekick he would have her own skill tree and everything so that took me by surprise oh, yeah. uh, pleasantly yeah i forgot about the skill tree that was that was a good aspect do you, ted do you think that's where um game mechanics sort of allude to story more than they should in that if there wasn't a skill tree you might think she is only temporary does that make sense yeah, but as the, as I played the game, when you first go to, Al, is it Alfheim? When you first play with her, I think so. I think it's Nilfheim. Is it Nilfheim? Vanaheim. Sorry, Vanaheim, where her realm basically. Yeah. When I first did that level with her, I thought, oh, she's just going to play with me for this level because Atreus is off doing whatever he's doing, and then Atreus will come back, and then I'll go back to normal again. So. So once her skill tree came up, you could change her armor. And even at that point, I wasn't convinced that she'd be a major character still. I still thought, oh, this is still just a temporary thing. I don't need to worry about investing much in Freya's abilities. But as any as I played the game more and then realized, oh, she really is sticking around. She's supposed to, <laughs> the skill tree isn't there just for the odd, odd occasion. She's she's kind of replaced Atreus entirely. And I can't, I could, yeah. I played it so long ago, and I can't remember exactly how long you play after that point, how much time you do or don't spend with a trace, but I don't think it's that much time, is it, particularly? Also, it's like 50-50. It felt like that when I played it. Yeah, I think towards the end of the game it is, but what I will say is that every time you're with a trace towards the end of the game, the game's basically like, you sure you don't want to do any quests? Might be the last. You sure? You sure you don't want to spend time together? So I think it alludes to the fact that um, you, you definitely spend a lot of time with Freya basically and i think it also alludes heavily to the fact that you you atreus ain't going to be around one way or another by the end of the game to be honest with you 
That's the way I read it anyway. In some ways, it's, it's almost I find Freya's arc. I'd have preferred Freya to have hated you throughout the whole game and then for her to change at the end. Okay. And and kind of come around by the end and then help you fight Odin. But because it's basically what a quarter way through the game, you then set her free from the, the roots of the world tree, which imprisons her to Midgard. And then she forgives you. It's like, oh, well, we're friends again. Well, that's that's that done. Right. <laughs> you kind of forget all about the hatred that she has at the end of the game and at the beginning of the game. And which is, I guess, you know, plays into how the rest of the game rolls out because of the fact she helps you and she's part of, you know, I guess, your arc as Kratos. But even so, it would have been more interesting, perhaps, if she'd have hated you throughout the whole game, which is what I expected. I did expect her to turn around in the second game because I thought she hates Odin more than she hates Kratos and she will eventually come around but I didn't expect it to happen so soon and for you to then become like best buds arguably lovers by the end of the game um, yeah yeah yeah. I think that's fair Ted I was a bit surprised myself but I think it was paced quite well in that I personally don't think it was a kind of like you defeat is it uh Yggdrasil? You defeat like you know, yeah. Um, I actually felt that like it was it was quite well paced and well acted, so I I didn't question it too much. But I do think that, um, like you say, mm, I think ultimately she go she realizes that owns to blame, not Kratos, I guess, and she's still a little bit questionable for a lot of the game. So I didn't necessarily, you know. But like you say, I don't know. I just thought she was a goner by like hour two of the game. I, d- I didn't know where else she was going to go, I guess. But yeah, I was a bit surprised. Um, Foley, what do you think about Freya? Do you like her? Do you love her? Do you hate her? Did you see it coming? Good character. Good character. Um, again, I had the feeling that they would just all get resolved in it. Eventually, you know, they in the first game, they save her from dying. It was either her or Balder. I think, if I remember rightly, the choice was was there. Yeah, yeah. But obviously, yeah. you don't make you know you don't have, you don't have a choice. It's obviously linear, but you know you save her from that, and then again you save her again. You know, I think I knew eventually she was just going to warm up to it, and 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 somebody you know Ted said she hates Odin more. She hates Kratos, and you know for all we know she's using them as a as a means to to get to him. But now they've got to him, and the game ended the way it did. It's like oh, actually there is a you know those two have actually sort of. There's now a relationship between them. Um, where they take it from there, if they do take it from there, I don't know. But I think I think overall she's a very good character, good character arc. Um, interesting to go from you know the nice person in the first game, completely hating everybody and hating every, you know hating those guys and trying to kill them at every, all costs to then just going back to the way she was. Um, didn't like her for leaving her turtle. Um, Oh yeah! Shout out! Shout out to George. I can't remember his name. Like, like, you know, I actually went back to that bit to find the flat. I think there's a flower out there, isn't there, for one of the trophies? If you're a sado like me, um, and you platinumed it, um, you find the the old turtle there. And I mean, you find him anyway, don't you? As part of the story, but you go back there as well, don't you? And she, I think I remember she has an interaction with or not. But I mean, leaving him out there was awful, wasn't it? You know, he looked cold. 
so I have a little. Of, I just I just pretend in my head he was hibernating and he wasn't affected by it. You know, it just makes me feel better. It makes me sleep a bit better. You know, knowing that or thinking he was that. Al- at least. He was alive, mate. He was all good. He was all good. <laughs> but um, just a bit cold. Yeah, Trey gonna... sets the fire up, doesn't he? Doesn't he like a fire yeah. and gives a bit of warmth? What yeah. I was going to say, yeah, you guys remember the site? So you remember the bit in Vanaheim where you escape, you're liberating Freya, Tyr's brother, from um, prison, owning, captured him, whatever, and you you're on the fl- his floating boat or uh, Freya's floating boat, and then the um, the I can't remember what they're called in the game, but you know the the warrior. By the way, that guy's fucking cool. Are you kidding me? That guy's like my favorite mm. character in the whole game. The guy with the massive sword who's part of their encampment, one of the warriors. Don't know if you guys remember, but basically they're getting attacked by two drakes or whatever. He jumps off to save everyone and they magically crash into each other. And then um, there's a side mission where you go and rescue him. Don't know if you remember this. And he actually ends yeah, up... Is that... Go on. No, isn't... Are you talking about the guy who was originally the boar that you shoot in the first game? No. Yes. No, there's him. You're not. Big... No, 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 no. Stop. No, so it's like, but a similar character, part part of Frey's band of brothers. Yeah, I, I remember. There's a guardian that you normally actually have to fight through guardian. the game. That's right. That's him. Yeah, yeah. Okay, he's that. I thought. Okay, okay. So yeah, he on. jumps off and he rescues you, and then there's a side quest to rescue him. And if you do yeah. that, he goes to the turtle house and he's in there like creating the fire and shit. Um, I didn't know. Yeah, but uh, just a quick point on that, guys. Did you... Um, I thought that was, like, a nice moment. And then I almost felt like rescuing him was a bit like... Like you were saying earlier, Ted, like, is anything going to have consequences here? Like, is anyone going to yeah. die? Because you think he's died, and then you realise that he survived an incredible fall and landed in the desert and somehow survived. And you think, well, that whole scene has lost its significance slowly. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I still think it'd have been more dramatic and whatnot if Kratos had have died at the end, perhaps, and then Loki and then Atreus goes off to go and find the giants. Mm. But I don't know. But 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 then I suppose ultimately you didn't want him to to die, did you? Really, either. It'd have been quite gut wrenching after all that story for him to just go, you know, keel over at the end. Perhaps Ted, but like you say, um. Maybe he could have finished everything and then, you know, and then called it quits. You know what I mean? Because I do find often in films and stories, it's always the ones that leave you frustrated at the end that you, oh, I wish that character lived. They're the ones that stay with you slightly more than when everyone just kind of saves the day. And it's like, oh, well, there was nothing to worry about because everyone survived and and the bad guy's gone now. So, <laughs> so uh Bit like I suppose, like you know, even in, I go back to Avengers again. But like Tony Stark, there was some consequence, wasn't there? Because Tony Stark, like the leader of the Avengers, whatever, sacrifices himself to save the universe. Mm. Fucking spoiler! Fucking hell! <laughs> but, but you know, kind of yeah, okay, we won, but there was a cost. Whereas I feel in Ragnarok, they won, but there wasn't much cost. Because everyone, all the main protagonists survive. I guess the only person you'd say is sad to lose is Brock. Yeah. But 
but you know his brother's still there so he can still sharpen your sword to, <laughs> and your axe is not an issue <laughs> no it's um it's brock's female dwarf mate i don't know if you remember she is it Lund- lunda is it lunda in it lunda yeah that sounds right she, and her and the dog they end up manning the, the uh, smiths all over the game but um did you got that's that's a story to be fair to your point ted right i would argue the sindri storyline or arc is is the one that like there is no conclusion but i'm okay with that because that's literally going to be it he he might just be he might be i don't know if you guys remember but sindri is beyond angry with kratos mm. and atreus like he he will likely never forgive them he he even at his funeral you know that little, little bit sort of secret ending um he doesn't want to speak to kratos and i feel like that is a real fucking hell this is almost like freya but who's never going to come back around do you know what i mean what 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 do they fall out again because i remember you go to get the something to create the spear don't you yes and you go to the mermaid and then she won't give speak to bro so basically uh sindri goes down into this well where you find this ring that he that they believe they can turn into a, a weapon to kill Heimdall because obviously Heimdall can sense what's happen, yeah. right? So they, so you fight. Obviously, there's all these rings or whatever, and Sindri gets this ring, and then Kratos and Brock go to the, this mermaid to do magical powers to create into this weapon so that you can kill Heimdall. And the mermaid should be able to speak to your soul, but because Brock has only got three quarters of his soul because yeah. Sindri wasn't able to get all of his parts of his soul back Brock realises that he died he, he died yeah and then the reason he and the reason Brock dies is because there's the big reveal because Tyr says oh he can get into Asgard and then everyone's questioning been like why didn't you tell us earlier and it's like shit the jig's up people so Thor as Tyr, uh, not Thor, sorry, Odin as mm. Tyr, kills yeah. Brock. Of course, and yeah. Sindri is obviously upset with the situation because you're the you're the one who who's, has brought Tyr into, the, or who was actually Odin, into this, into his home. And if Sindri never helped you, I think that's the way he's looking at it. Like, if he never helped you, then his brother would still be around. Maybe. Is that, or yeah. was he angry that Brock found out about his soul as no, well no, injury injury is um he doesn't care that that he that brock found out obviously he never wanted him to find out that wasn't the issue it was the it was the it was the fact that you brought tear at aka odin into the home and obviously odin killed brock in to you know to escape and that that's what my take on was obviously nick and foley have played it more recently but that's yeah. to my understanding just because yeah. he was let into the home and it's a bit like what have i like i can't believe this has happened sort of thing and this is your fault guys atreus and kratos but that's what i took yeah i think on top of that so brock does forgive sindri in his dying breath basically he says that i know <laughs> what you did but i forgive you um, sorry, Al. I don't know if you said if you explained this already, but yeah, basically because he revived him without the one quarter of his soul being the soul, he he now can't go to. Um, oh no, 
What's the heaven? Well, wherever the uh, he can't go to heaven. He can't go to um Valhalla. Thank you. He can't go to Valhalla. So um and that and obviously at this point he knows he can't go to Valhalla. He's about to die, but he forgives Sindri anyway. And then Sindri is annoyed. Yes, one because he brought they brought him to his home, but also he gave Kratos and Atreus like everything he had. Right? He gave him the ring. He gave him his house. He gave him his skills, and they repaid him by his brother dying. So he basically blames them for that. Right. Yeah. But what I find interesting, and I I clocked onto this quite early on, and I'm amazed none of the dwarfs or the other gods ever ever realised. I, I don't quite understand it. But like Tyr, the real Tyr only ever had one hand, and even in the pictures in the first game, you can see Tyr only ever has one hand. So when they found Tyr and he has two hands, I was like, well, that's different from what i know but i'm going to go along with it because this game is is a spiritual remake of kind of like you know what actually happened in norse pathology but clearly now in hindsight knowing that it was odin tear must have always ever had well would have had one hand when he went missing so why did none of the dwarfs he knew tear quite well or freya he also knew tear why did they not i mean again hang on a minute two hands like that, that so when you find Tyr in the realm with the the, the crows, yeah, yeah, Niflheim, yeah, yeah. Obviously, there's only like a, a ten second interaction with him, but you obviously see the real Tyr. Does he have one hand or two hands there? Because I know what Ted's saying. I I get that because obviously, if it's written there, like, then surely the difference would be. And even if the tear in the prison that you find has got one hand. That's that's a that's absolutely a flaw there, right there. You know, like yeah. what the fuck. I don't remember the first game ever showing that Ted, but Foley, I don't know about you, but I don't remember him having one hand when you find him at the very end in Niflheim. Do you? I don't remember. No, I don't remember him having any one I, hand. I don't think. I think he's got two hands. If I'm honest with you, Ted. So it just sounds like they went back on their photograph. Yeah. I suppose. Well, I know it wasn't. <laughs> From the beginning, in in well, I I didn't, I didn't. But did you so you genuinely expected a twist there? Then I didn't because I I just thought well the game isn't making it exact to you know how it is anyway. So I just figured well they've given him two hands, they haven't bothered doing the whole one hand thing. But then I suppose it doesn't make sense anyway because why he would have one hand in the game per se because the reason he has one hand in the stories is because Fenrir, the wolf, bites his hand off. Because right. gods read a prophecy that the wolf will fight against them in Ragnarok. So they get the dwarfs to build a special chain that will hold Fenrir, the wolf, down. They trick him by saying, we bet you can't break this chain kind of thing. And he says, oh, I don't I don't trust this. I think you're going to trick me so he says if if one of you holds your hand in my mouth i'll put the chain on but if i can't get out i'm gonna bite your hand off so tear then volunteers himself and says okay i'll put my hand in your mouth knowing that he's gonna get his hand bitten off because the dwarfs have built this unbreakable chain so alas he can't get out of the chain and he bites tear's hand off and then he says something like uh you know i would have been on your side if you hadn't chained me up but now i'm gonna kill all of you so it's like it's almost like the classic 
cliche prophecy where you try to avert the prophecy but you actually make it happen by trying to prevent it from happening like star wars <laughs> you know yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like the whole darth vader arc like padme's gonna die okay well i'll become a sith oh that's what killed her you know yeah and we saw a bit of that right when uh Kratos kills heimdall but on that point ted yeah like um they they try they do that a bit in this game don't they with the whole prophecy thing i think that's fair to say but they they do they do just end up doing the prophecy pretty much right if i'm not mistaken apart from Kratos dying i suppose yeah i can't remember how they avert it exactly so they have to, um, they have to change don't they yeah so basically yeah. the the story bit can you hear me the story yeah. bit the story bit that i didn't understand is basically that through the flashbacks with Faye, Kratos has to, I quote, open his heart to the world in order to find purpose and meaning in it again. And that means that Kratos teaches Atreus that he was wrong. And it's the, I don't know if you guys remember, but it's at the bit where you're invading Asgard and you find out that Odin helped all the refugees from Midgard into Asgard so that basically they could be near the wall when they attack so that the attackers would feel bad about killing these Midgardians. And Atreus is standing there going like, fucking hell, we're going to kill everyone. And then he's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. Close your heart, close your heart. And then Kratos is like, I was wrong, Atreus. You need to open your heart to the suffering and you need to help these people. And in that moment, also, you realize that, well, essentially, Kratos doesn't kill Thor when he could, like he did with Heimdall. And that's the deciding factor. Thor redeems himself and we, you know, we kill yeah. Odin. Is that L? Is that, I think that's basically what happened. But I, yeah. I didn't piece together in that moment, though, that that is what happened, I suppose, which frustrated me, uh, to be honest. Like playing the game, I was like, I didn't realize that was the deciding moment, if you will. I didn't realize that was no. what the, the game was saying or telling me, I suppose. Yeah. Speaking of um, flashbacks, uh, Freddie, I'll start with you because you're obviously very um, you're you're a calm mannered man. Did we expect? Did you, did you expect? Did you expect to see Faye? What 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 are we thinking, boys? Like, did we expect to see Faye? Did we like the flashbacks? I want it all, Foley. I, I want your input. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't even think about Faye. I thought she's obviously died. Maybe you was you know. Uh, do you know what I can't even think if we I didn't think we would see her but we were lucky enough to get a glimpse of what she actually looked like and she looked pretty normal um, you know we didn't see any of her in the first game so it was all up to speculation as to what she looked like and they finally obviously revealed it but um, the flashback scenes themselves they were quite nice you know a little bit of depth more depth to Kratos' character a little bit more depth to the story in general and obviously you can clearly tell he gives a Cares, cares very deeply for Atreus, and obviously really, really cared for and loved and loved Faye. So, I mean, that's that's all part of Kratos' story, though, isn't it? You know, and um, you know his love for her, and obviously Atreus is such a big part of it all. But that was really well done, I think, as well. And it was, I think, it was good to see a glimpse of her. Although, if we never saw her, would it change much? Probably not. I think you'd still you'd still get that from the story that he still loved and cared about her, but. 
Yeah. I don't know what anyone else's take is, but I thought no, I didn't I... think there I I might be wrong, but when I played it, I didn't think there were flashbacks. I thought there was some sort of weird spiritual interaction in which he was actually talking to her in the present time, but as like a spirit. And he was almost hallucinating it. A bit like Oh, that's a good point. That's a, a good like point. Like in actually. Harry Potter, when you know when Voldemort kills him the second time, and he he's in King's Cross Station talking to Dumbledore, and he's like, "Is this yeah. real? Or is it in my head?" And he's like, "Of course, it's in your head." But what does that not mean? It's real. That sort of thing. That's what I thought it was. I didn't think it was a flashback. I thought it was like she was talking to him and guiding him there and then. But I might be wrong. I think it's a bit of both. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah. There's there's certain scenes where Faye's got a trace as a baby when you're mm. like on the lock, you know, when you're on the boat bit. Yeah. That's definitely back. But I think I feel like the initial one, the very first one, I could be wrong because I don't remember the exact scenes, but I think I thought that was like an interaction that actually shit, is she has she lied about her death? Or is she, you know, like Ted said, is she spiritually there? Um where with we're yes we're imagining it but is there some truth to it is there some actual interaction you know like or some sort of like that but yeah it's sort of yeah it was good it was good to see put a face to a name like Ferry said would it have changed much maybe not but I think it just showed a bit of like how human Kratos was before Atreus came along or even when he was as a baby sort of thing it just gave more character to Kratos I guess yeah totally yeah to be fair ted it's a good point because there are the most of it plays out like a flashback but there are moments where she puts his hand on his head and you know and she's like kratos you haven't got time care for our son protect our son so obviously when that happens you're like wait is it a dream what what the fuck is going on Mm. um so for sure i get that i think it was really nice and done really well but i have to say boys that there is a part of me where i'm a bit like you know, she she knows Kratos cutting down that log is going to stir shit up. And sh- and that's what she wanted, right? That's what she wanted. And she wanted, I guess, Kratos to at least stir some, sh- stir the pot a bit with the Aesir. And I think that um, that does, and, you know, throughout the game, Kratos is like, you know, even though she's guiding him and helping them both, I'm sure, spiritually, he's, he is going like, yeah, you know what? Could be your mum. I don't fucking know anymore. Could be fucking Faye that battled Thor in a bit of um, Svartalheim, I think. Don't know. She didn't tell me much, actually, now that I think about it. So there was a little bit of a... Maybe it gives her more depth than human, like, you know, a, a dark side. But she's definitely not a saint. Do you know what I mean? What, what did you guys think? Did you get any of that in terms of, like, when you were playing? I thought it was cool that she had a bit of mystery behind her. And that she actually, you know, she actually had a bit of a... Oh, yeah, mystery. You know, she was she actually had a fight before and it was her axe. And, yeah, you know, that was quite cool. Um, you know, she wasn't just someone that he met and she was a giant or whatever. She actually had a bit, a bit going for her. So I can't can't really recall some you know some of that. I mean, I I guess yeah. In the first game and the second game, you, you don't really know a huge amount about her, do you? Really, you just sure. hear re- remarks from other characters about how great she was and how important she was. 
Uh, and I suppose in some ways, uh, her character, I mean, it was a digital character, wasn't it, based on a real actress? I don't know the actress's name, but I do. I rewatched My Name is Earl recently. And she was in My Name is Earl as an Amish girl, funnily enough. Really? Oh, that's yeah. funny. Which must have been the first time I saw her because then she was in Daredevil as she plays Karen in Daredevil. Anyway. Ben Affleck fit, um, uh, or TV show? In the Netflix TV show, she uh... plays a, a main character in it. But, um, yeah, I thought it, it it was nice to actually see her, I suppose. Um, and to see those in- interactions between her and Kratos and for real, I guess. And not just hear Kratos talking about your your mother told me this, your mother told me that. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Because well, this is the time he's a rampaging lunatic. And in the first three God of War games, he's a complete nutter. He's just screaming his head off constantly, really angry killing everyone and everything you know he rips uh he is it helios he rips his head off in the third game with his bare hands and then you carry his head round on your belt for the rest, for the rest of the game and use his eyes as a anyway so and then uh, when he kills uh hermes he cuts his legs off oh, anyway so he's gone from this like complete psychopath to being this kind of cool headed like old dude who just wants to live in a log cabin with his wife and look after his son so seeing those interactions between him and Faye where he's even then you could say he's had an arc because he's gone from being this really angry guy in Greece to now being this quite mellow sort of old tired person he's just just wants to rest but he has to do it all again. And I guess he part of resents, must resent Faye for that because he just wanted to escape the action and killing gods and having to fight. But she fleshes it all out again, annoyingly for him. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, like, doesn't lie to him necessarily, but there is a scene actually where, like, he has to live a, lift a log, I think, and she's kind of like, Oh, you need to lift it. It's too heavy for me, you know? And it's like, oh, okay, sneaky. Um, There were some people, I mean, look, I know they don't exist, but there were some people online um, who were sort of saying, you know, did we want more in terms of do we, do we, did we want to find out where they met? Do we want to find out how they met? Did we want to find out what killed Faye or what she died from? What, what do you guys, uh, uh, what did you think? We, we never find out why how she died do do we i think, I think she just gets ill doesn't she i'm pretty sure in the game they just say it's just as simple as she just she just becomes ill and, and she and... gets something and she just dies from that i don't think it's any specific cause like she had a fight or got poisoned or injured or anything she just chlamydia kind of withers away it's just she 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 knows what's supposed to happen, and yes, like like you said that Crotus is trying to get away from it, but she's almost like, I'm really sorry, but you're gonna have to do this because the nine realms need you, and I'm gonna have to be as secretive as I need to be because I've, if I tell you these things, it's probably not gonna work out this way. So, look, this is what you got to do when I die, and. And yeah, there's going to be a chain reaction, and you know you're going to have, you're going to be put through paces, but it needs to be done, sort of thing. 
and she sort of she sort of thought about everybody else rather than what you know what was going to happen to Kratos and Atreus. But I think she knew in the long run that everything was going to, going to be okay. Um, yeah, I did. I did giggle out when no, you like, put through paces. <laughs> I was like, put through paces, and then he fucking died <laughs> twenty times. A quest. I'm only on a quest. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't. I don't need any more answers from that side of things. It's just. It's just up to imagination. You just have to roll with it. Some things you just have to take on board and just accept. You know. Sometimes That's it. Not knowing. It, yeah. Um, exactly. Mystery. Oh. It gives a bit of mystery and you know intrigue behind it. You know you don't need to know, and then you can kind of make your own mind up as to how they met, can't you? Really, I suppose. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, like you say, that's an interesting point you make, actually, about I guess the selfishness of Kratos in that he selfishly wants to kill all the Greek gods. Right, he does that. He then almost selfishly wants to settle down with Faye. And actually, Faye wants him to to become what he was again, but for selfish, less reasons, which is, I think, an interesting comparison, isn't it? It's a bit like when Atreya says, like, stop being a dad. We need you to be a general now. It's time to be a general. We need to kill Odin. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. like It's like the complete opposite, isn't it? In the first game, he's too much like a general, not a dad. Right. And now when it counts, he's more like a dad than he's a general. Yeah. Um, there's again, I forgot about this until I watched the recap. It's the very end scene, sort of as Atreus leaves, and you go to that board. You know the mural, the murals you see in the woods, and there's the finally the one you see the one that is actually supposed to happen all along, right? Atreus fucks off. And then Kratos goes round the back and sees a statue of himself, if you remember, being worshipped. And that, and until I and sort of heard it from this recap, that's actually what almost Kratos needs to be worshipped as because he was the ghost of Sparta. He was known for killing all these people, killing his own family and everything, when actually he's he's which is also a prediction to maybe come true that actually he's now going to be worshipped as a god for doing something good, which is protecting the nine realms or whatever. So it's almost like Freya's almost going to be giving him what he all always or almost deserved in a weird way, which is yeah, to be worshipped as, as a good person. Yeah. And uh, as a god. Me- I don't know if you remember this um, guy or L and guys, but uh, Odin does allude to that at some. Uh, it might be when he in he yeah. interrupts you and Freya. Ma- well, you're on your own because you split up from Freya. But he comes yeah. in. Uh, he comes in yeah, the crow yeah, form. He confronts. Yeah, and he goes like, "You haven't been worshipped. You don't know what it's like to be a god to be prayed to. You don't know what it's like if people rely on you." So yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Foley, what do you think about the gameplay? compared to the first game specifically because we had the two weapons right we've got the yep. chaos blades or blades of chaos and the leviathan axe um did you expect a third weapon but generally speaking what how did you find the actual gameplay in the combat um 
Yeah, it's just as slick as the first game. Um, are you including things like the perks and stuff here Absolutely, as well? Absolutely, mate. Get it all in. Yeah. Get it all in. Oh, you know, a game like that, it's a very, very well thought out. And do you know what? I don't think it's too intricate. I think it's just, it's, it's good enough, and it's but it's basic enough still for you to fully grasp it and understand what the hell's going on. Sure. There's a lot of games, a lot of RPGs that you know when you upgrade a weapon or anything, it's got seven different windows to try and upgrade it. It's different, you know, tune it and stuff. You know, it's very simple. You literally pick this, bam, you upgraded it. You know, it's very simple. Um, I like that aspect of it. Um, you know, and um, the gameplay again was smooth. I thought this, we, you know, the spear, a nice addition. I didn't expect the third weapon only until, you know, they pulled up with the ring. It was like, oh, hey, hang on, you know, what's going to happen here? Like, what are we going to come out with? Is it going to be some sort of special weapon that we only get to use? in a single cutscene or a boss fight but no it turns out to be a something that we can use for combat and if i'm honest i use the spear um predominantly after obtaining it i think, you think really? I, it's probably my favorite weapon after yeah yeah I'm, i I'm use it the most yeah i use the same the, the spear the predominantly and it was only really i actually only really used the blaze of chaos and the um the Leviathan axe because I felt bad. I was like, oh, these are still cool weapons, but <laughs> um, but you know, again, yeah, they have, they have their own uses, don't they? Um, I like the Blades of Chaos, I think they're easily the weakest out of the three. Agreed, um, agreed. The, 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 axe, the axe obviously is the most powerful, but takes its time, is a bit slower. But I think the spear was a very nice balance between the two, um, but extremely still extremely quick. Um, and it was a good addition to the to the arsenal that he had. And a nice surprise, as I said before, I thought it was going to be something that you'd only really get to use in a big boss fight like against Odin or a, a god. But we got to use it as a weapon all round, so that, that was pretty good. Yeah, L nice and smooth. Um, not much else to say about it, really. L, you, you, so you used the spear as well, did you, predominantly? Yeah, after I, I was just like, this is good, because I remember the spear was very good for getting the, the white bar to do a stun attack up I, yeah, quite quick. Right. Mm-hmm. From what I remember, anyway, so it's a bit mm. like those. Those are three button attacks, you know, where you basically just killed the enemy, even if it had like half health. Was a lot easier to sometimes do than have to completely deteriorate a, an enemy's health. Yeah, yeah. So it was quick. You could un unlock perks again, which helped. Which then you could throw more spears into a person. Mm. The spears would stay there. And they don't. Know, and you yeah. do that. Slam yeah, don't you? You do the slam attack, and then they all sort of explode on the character which then stuns the, the, the enemy. So again, it just like really helped. Great addition. Absolutely. Didn't see that coming. I, I was well looking forward to you, all of you to like get to that point where it was a bit like, holy shit, a new weapon. Cause it's, it's like almost as, you know, uh, a spoiler as Odin being tear sort of thing. It's a bit like, fuck, there's a new weapon. We need to talk yeah, about this. Totally. It was very good for the trials of Muspelheim as well. It was a really useful weapon, especially when you had a couple of those King of the Hill type matches you had to do. Oh, um, yes. If you remember, they were very use very useful for that. Yeah, Ted. I actually, whether I'm misremembering, but I preferred the combat in the first game than the second game. I found the combat in the second game a bit slower. Same. It was almost more. Uh, I wouldn't say clunky. It just felt a bit stiffer. Whereas I remember the first game, it felt a bit faster and more fluid. 
Okay. Yeah. I thought the second game it was tighter, as in you had to be a bit more precise in what buttons you pressed at certain times, whereas the mm. first game felt a bit more well, not not slick, but it was a bit more raw and faster. I found, which I which yeah. I personally preferred, to be honest. Yeah, um, I felt like that straight away when I started playing the second one. I was like, I don't remember the combat being this, like you say, clunky. It was almost like slower, like you said. It was a bit like I don't remember it feel feeling like this. It felt a lot quicker and and more action packed and smoother, like you said in the first one. But whether or not that's because by the end of the first one, you've got your upgraded gear and everything, so maybe everything feels quicker because you've got your upgraded gear. And obviously, you've got to start from scratch in this one. But I, I, I felt the exact same way. I didn't, I didn't expect the spear. So the spear was a nice touch, but, but admittedly, I, I didn't predominantly use the. Well, I did use the spear a lot for the stun stuff. I, you know, pummel a load of spears into someone and then tap and then, uh, you know, detonate all the other spears. But I, I was between the spear and the blades of chaos. And to be honest, I actually. Really preferred the Blades of Chaos over the Axe, purely because the Blades, you could attack multiple enemies within a radius all at once, mm. which quite a lot of the time you'd get overwhelmed by a large number of enemies and it was quite useful to sort of spread spread enemies out, I suppose, like a shotgun, I guess. Uh, the Axe, I actually found the, the least effective because it was too slow. I thought in the first, which is perhaps in you know, the first game where the combat to me felt faster, the axe was more usable. Whereas in this game, I found it really clunky and hard to use. And you could you could do the odd big slam attack with an ice blast or something like that, but you know, I, I didn't really enjoy using the axe massively, which is a bit of a shame, I guess, because it's supposed to be the main weapon and it's the most Norse weapon of them all, really. Because even a spear is really a well, it's a Spartan weapon, isn't it? She makes the spear because it's because she looks doesn't it's something to do with Kratos, isn't it? When she makes the weapon, so the spear is it's like a Spartan spear. So that's like his Greek spear, I guess. And then he's got his blades of chaos. The, so the axe is really supposed to be the main Nordic weapon, and I found it the least effective towards the end of the game. And I did find some of the like there are certain moves you did where you had to move the stick forward at a certain time, like a very precise point to do a certain attack. And I could never get those right to a point where I just didn't bother doing them the whole game. And some of them were actually quite useful attacks, but you had to press, it was either left stick or right stick. And you press, you had to press it like forward or, or you had to like dodge backwards and then press R1 straight after you dodge backwards to do a certain thing. But it's such a precise movement that I just found it was too too difficult to do in the real world. If you like, when you're being attacked by like five enemies all at once, and you're like, "Oh, so if I just press backwards and then I won't," you know. So, I found some of the combos a bit redundant, really. Whether that's because I just didn't spend enough time bothering to learn them and practice them, perhaps. But I did. I don't. I enjoyed the the combos and whatnot in the first game a bit more for some reason. But maybe that's just me, you know, wearing my 
tinted glasses towards the first game or the second game, and it's probably just the same. Yeah, to be honest, just... to be honest with you, um, it's really interesting, Ted, because I swear I'm not just saying this just to just to disagree, but um, I actually found the opposite for me. I found not only did I find that the axe was my preferred weapon of choice because I felt like it did the most damage so I could clear enemies sort of quicker. I felt like the blades were a bit weaker in that sense. So like instead of like killing someone in three hits, the blades took a lot more. But also I found that for whatever reason, I actually tried to learn and find combos in this game compared to 2018, where I did feel like I was just button mashing for the whole game, basically. But I swear to you, I'm not just saying that just to like <laughs> disagree. Um, that's genuinely how my my experience was. But um, but yeah, how I think it's interesting that we've all got different preferred weapons. I think that's probably a compliment to them to the designers in that we all feel like we had a different favorite weapon almost, because I think that's what better choice can you possibly provide if fucking what three out of four people or two out of four people, um, uh, all have a different choice of, of their favorite weapon. And there's only three choices anyway. So I think that's pretty cool to be fair. I think it depends on play style, doesn't it as well? So in some instances, of course, of course. Um, I think you guys are probably right in that it felt a bit slower to be fair. Like especially if I have a if I try and remember about twenty eighteen, I, I remember it being being quicker for sure. For sure. And I'll also say I think some of the ending animations of when you kill things were a bit more um dare I say PG in this one. So in the first yeah. in twenty eighteen, uh, you know, you, even we all know the the, the troll you know, takedown. It was like, oh, or the where, oh. But in this one, I was a bit like, okay, that was all right. Yeah, I did think I did find it a bit underwhelming where when certain enemies disappeared or died or disintegrated. I did notice that. I mean, it's gone from the extremes of the original God of War games where he would tear people in half and do these horrible, brutal takedowns and monsters and rip their jaws off and pull their eyes out and slap them around the face with their own eyeball or whatever, you know. <laughs> but uh, being quite reserved. I, but I don't know why they were reserved. Was it was it an 18? It doesn't really matter. It's obviously tailored for an adult audience. So why t- why cut it back? Yeah. Left-wing propaganda. No, I don't know. Maybe they were arguing... Um, Maybe they would argue that um, because Kratos is getting softer, you know, and more relatable, maybe it's reflected in that. But were you going to say something else? Sorry. No, I was like Ted said. I think the only times where he did something really gruesome was when it was one of those big fights, like with the Nintog, the portal yeah. um, thing, Freya's tree. That was like gruesome. And then the first time you come across in the dwarven thing, you you climb under a rock and you see a dead, this giant dead sea creature thing. And you're like, oh, thank God, I got to fight one of those. And then there's one just to the left, and it's like, you know, like you said, but the normal enemies, yeah, there was, you know, a great variation of enemies, but like you said, when you were killing them, it didn't have that satisfying, like, fuck you die, yes, sort of moment. It was just like, yeah, yeah, he's dead. So what? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um. To move on, I guess, unless you guys obviously just interrupt me if, if you do want to, you know, 
do talk about whatever really but um to move on i know we've talked about how amazing this world looks so it sounds as though you guys probably don't think that there were probably some elements of this game that were held back because it was also available on ps4 to be political about it um you guys very much feel that this game was stunning top to bottom yeah yeah there there were certain points in the game i didn't find it so much in midgard where it's snowy because snow's just white everywhere isn't it It doesn't look that special but uh vanaheim especially where you're going out in the canoe through those kind of waterways and there have been certain times where there is like lily pads and the the light and the reflection of the water and everything where it would it genuinely did look lifelike Uh, and there's just so much detail packed into all the vegetation and the trees and the shrubbery and all the creatures surrounding the pathways that you're on as well you know and quite often in games they look nice but it's the same textures just copied and pasted the same few bushes that you know here there and everywhere but that was it was almost like every leaf had been drawn and mapped like a real you know like the real world really i suppose yeah to be fair ted as well to that point i think some of the side quests really are some of those moments i talked about in terms of like the giant jellyfish or the way that the um dragon beheaded sits at freya's old temple or whatever like there's certain shots that the game poses which really stand out in my mind it's just like shit do you know what i mean like whoa that's beautiful i think think the coolest part of the whole game was when you go to muspelheim and you find suter the the fire giant and then he Come on. Oh yeah, does his thing, doesn't he? Whatever he does, he kills himself, doesn't he, or, or whatever. Yeah, basically, he gets and he, then he, he gets his the, heart ready to, and yeah. then Kratos stabs him in there. Yeah, and is it the stars or the galaxy? You see, you see something, don't you? But they look like stars, and there's just all these crazy light particles spinning around. Yes. I can't remember exactly what happens, but I remember that point being like, "This is this is insane." You know, I thought I thought the. Uh, the by you know the Bifrost sequence in the first game where you travel between worlds and there's all like the in the world tree and there's all those particles going everywhere. I thought that was cool, but this was like the next level of that. Absolutely, like uh, it's. I think it. I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's the point where Niflheim and and Muspelheim were created or whatever, or they collide. But yeah, I agree that that area is incredible. Um. It's sort of related to the world. First of all, did you, El? I know you platinumed it. Foley, you mentioned you platinum. Ted, did you platinum this game? No. Okay. I don't. He has a life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Did you? You didn't feel. Um. You, I assume you don't give a shit about trophies. No, not really. No, oh. I. I don't. I. I just play games to enjoy the game. Now, you know, I don't get out of my way to look for things anymore you know find collectibles whatever yeah well if you uh went to the trouble of doing that Ted, i think you'd encounter what we did which is that um foley did you find that there were certain areas where you thought i'm i'm done here i could do with the fast travel now i i did did you get into that when you were cleaning up on the platinum did you think 
I've looked around this Valheim for quite a bit now. Uh, um, I'm ready to get going. Well, I don't know. Before I actually completed the story, I did a lot of bits on the way. Sure. There wasn't much for me left to clean up at the end. Um, to be quite honest, I made sure I'd done the majority of it because I knew as soon as I'd hit the main, finish the main storyline, that I wouldn't feel like I'd have the motivation to finish it off. So if I remember rightly, I did everything before I finished the main story. Um, and if I didn't, if I did have something left, it was only something extremely minor. Um, perhaps I think because you, I think you couldn't actually get maybe one of the flowers or access a certain area. I think of Vanaheim perhaps until you did finish. So I think, yeah, there was very minimal bits left to do for me when I finished. So, um, but there was a couple of areas. Yes. (laughs) Fast travel would have been, would, would have been certainly very helpful. Yeah, for sure. L, did you find that at all when you were doing the platinum? Well, L, did you do much side stuff along the way of the game? Yeah, I I did what I always try not to do because I know with that sort of game, like the first one, sometimes you don't always have the ability to unlock certain areas. So obviously without unlocking the spear, you mm, do... Yeah. There were bits, but obviously you saw those bits on the wall, which was like collecting air and you're like what the fuck is that like what what do i need to to to, to use whatever that is and realizing mm-hmm. obviously now it's just a speed thrown to the wall so you can climb up it or whatever but again I, I did what i shouldn't have done was i did everything as i could unlock it even though i knew i would have to fucking come back and go almost every single area anyway. Yeah, yeah. Bit, just take up more time. And I know I said it to Foley, but like I said, I, I can appreciate with Foley's circumstances where it's, it's a bit hard. When you do the main story, you just sometimes do not have that motivation to do all the rest of the side stuff. Now, I, I'd probably be a, a little bit less like that and because I, I obviously pay, paid for the game and everything. I thought, I'm going to get my money's worth. I'm going to do everything. I'll get the platinum. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But still, I, I I still wound up. Oh, haven't been here yet. I'll, I'll see, find out if I could do everything. Nope. Okay, yeah. I'll have to come back later then, and then um and then end up doing that for the entire for all the realms basically, which again probably put up my gameplay by five hours. But it is what it is. So yeah, that's yeah. that's why I didn't bother flattening in it really, because. I've especially found it with Vanaheim because Vanaheim is quite confusing because it was so jungle and oh, thick mate. full of, you know. There's a lot of times where I became disorientated and forgot which way I'd come because all the waterways looked the same. Then I'd look on the map and be like, I need to get over there, but how do I get over there? Yeah. I don't know. And then I'd be like, well, am I supposed to be trying to get there yet? Have, am I missing something that stopped me getting there? I don't know. And I got, and I just, so I gave up in the end and I just carried on. But that it is, yeah, I get it because it's a linear game world per se. And they need to try and do something to make it bigger than it is in a way, I guess. But it was, it is a bit frustrating having to go back on yourself. And also remember where to go back on yourself. Yeah. You'll see certain cool. things and be like, oh, yeah. I'll come up. I can't do anything with that now. But then you'll forget where it was, especially like in Svartalheim, which is where you go f- 
one of the first places you go, isn't it? And there's a number of things there yeah. which you can't do until later in the game. But you have to use a bloody boat to get around the place. And there's different beaches and shorelines. And you're like, well, which which bloody beach is it again? Oh, I can't remember which part it is. <laughs> oh, you know. <gasps> oh, oh, I'll give up. Put rock, rock I wonder in. how you. I wonder how you. I wonder how you felt when Vanaheim opened up to an even bigger area. Yeah, the desert bit at the top. Oh, like, oh, well, yeah, that, oh, I didn't. I didn't hell. even. I didn't even finish the desert. I did some of it, but again, <laughs> yeah, similar, that was a little, thing, That was a lot. Similar thing. It's like so vast and so many different paths and parts of the map, and then that, and then that as well, because it was a different world at night from what it was during the day, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it had, yeah. It had a Majora's Mask feel to it, actually. Um, oh. So that that complicated it even more, which I get. Like you know, if you're an avid gamer and you want that level of depth and whatever else, but I find with a that sort of game, I, I'd kind of got to a point where I just, I just, I, I you know, I, I struggle to play games when the story's over. Yeah, yeah. So I try and do as much as I can whilst I'm playing the story, but it gets to a point where. I'll start getting bored with the game entirely, so I have to finish the story. If not, I won't finish it at all. Mm. Yeah, I get Which, that. digressing, is what happened with Ghost of Tsushima. So, Ghost of well, Tsushima. Ghost of Tsushima, I kind of got to a point where I've been playing it so long, I was starting to get slightly bored, so I just I had to just finish the story in the end. Um, maybe I'm just a poor gamer. I shouldn't be on this podcast. Who am I? <laughs> Do you play mobile games? Do you play both? Oh. Jake? <laughs> you're fine you're fine um yeah i, I agree with all that ted that uh, <laughs> it's sad isn't it you should be excited when you come onto a new area but as soon as i found that area north of Vanaheim, i literally oh. think I, I think i sighed i actually think i, no, I literally oh fuck, honestly it's massive no, but then the bit is it only shows that first bit and then you go down a bit and it opens up another bit and you're like fuck yeah that's like, right there's like another third off goes, and then you go you go and you go left slightly, and you open up, and there's another bit, all the waterways again, and you're like, and the dam, and I was yeah. like, fuck. Sake. <laughs> do you, do you but, feel like if that if that whole part of Vanaheim wasn't in the game, do you think it had made any difference? No, at all absolutely. Your, not. your conclusion of the game. No, absolutely. No. Would made a difference to me. On that on that point, Ted. Yeah. I genuinely feel like I know I probably hate on the story a bit more than 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 at least Foley and Ted, yeah. But um, sometimes I felt like going through the game, the game almost suffered in its pacing, and that I almost felt like the story was longer than it needed to be in some areas, especially in some areas, because they wanted us to go to the all nine realms and all these different areas. To so it was a bit like. For instance, when we go back to Svartalheim and we're in the base, I don't know if you guys remember, but you're in the base, like you're in the mines. It was just a bit like, or right near the end of the game, you go to Niflheim and Helheim as Atreus or whatever. And so it was a bit like, fuck, are we, are we really going back here? Are we really going back here? Like, can we not just, can we not just get there? Can we not just, can we not just go straight there? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get you. It just, yeah, it there just... was a bit of convolution. Go on, Alan, what are you going to say? Yeah. There's a lot more travelling back to realms. 
more than may be required. Like you say, if we if we only had to go to each round once, that probably would have been enough. Yeah. Oh, that would have been beautiful. I mean, it's even slightly frustrating going back to Alfheim. I know the jellyfish stuff was cool in the desert. Yeah. I... But you have to go back there several times, don't you? Because there's a third time you have to go back, don't you, to open that door. There's that big door, isn't there, where you need a certain key? Yeah. But so you could potentially end up going to Alfheim three times. The first time with the story with Tear, the second time with the jellyfish. And then the third. Or is it. Can you do both jellyfish at the same time, or do you have to do one, then come back and do the second one? Oh, you have to. Um, you have to come back to do the second. So you one. have to come back, what, like maybe oh. four times. Oh, mate! I went yeah. to every realm a the minimum of four or five times, hundred percent. And it, it that that does get slightly laborious after a while. You just want to do all of it and think, right? I've done that now. I've done that realm. Lovely. Tick the box. Move on. I think um, yeah, have... knew... go on, Al. Also, you knew how. Well, we we didn't know, but you you then found out actually how big they were going to be. Because in Midgard, you obviously start off on the sleigh with the two walls, right? And you can manoeuvre around um, Nilfgaard, Nilfgaard? Midgard on the cart, which is great. And then obviously once you get to Alfheim with the elves, and then there's another cart, and you're like riding on the sand, you're like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> the, the reason they give you this vehicle is because it's a lot fucking bigger, because I can't just walk places. So, yeah. Yeah, fuck. Well, and and um, everything's fr- and everything's frozen, so you can't sail anywhere. Yeah, true and true. That that's true. Yeah, yeah. I think um that always comes to conflict, doesn't it, with that that old argument of like. So let's obviously L bought the game. I think we did. We all borrow it from L. I don't even know, but um, yeah, I did. I definitely Ted bought it. it. We <laughs> Ted bought it as well. So um, I borrowed it. I borrowed it from Ted actually. So I didn't borrow it from fair. Him. Okay, fair, 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 fair. Um, yeah, that age. That's why. Um, up, hey, look, at, least, at least I finished it. I finished it. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I think it's that age-old argument, isn't it? Of like, oh, get your money's worth. Get your money's worth, right? And like, maybe there's. I know, Al, you're not necessarily like this, but maybe there is people out there who are like, well, if it's not forty-five to fifty hours, I want my fucking money back. I personally am of the opinion of, yeah, but if it's 20 or 30 hours and it's the best 20 or 30 hours you'll spend on a game this year, who gives a shit, man? You know, but I think um, there's definitely areas in this game that don't need to be that long, frankly, story and otherwise. There's certain, there's certain, there's certain types of games where the gameplay and the hours don't quite compute. So like, I found God of War because it's such a deep, enriched game. You don't want it to be very long because otherwise it's just too much yeah which is why i think in some ways the first game is better because it was just it was just right it was just right whereas for example i last summer i played 80 hours on elden ring 80 hours and i don't feel like i played 80 hours at all because it's a sort of game where you grind and you you defeat enemies again and again and again and it's like boss fights where you just die and die and die but that time feels different because of the type of gameplay it is sure. whereas if it was 80 hours of god you want to kill yourself by the end probably yeah. 
you know, imagine 80 hours of that involved deep storytelling and and world where you have to pay attention to everything. Whereas in like Elden Ring or Dark Souls, you can just switch off and just run around and swing your sword and kill some enemies. And then you go to a bonfire, whatever, and fast travel and you do it all over again. And it's kind of almost mindless in a way. But but yeah, as you said, like the, the fact that some parts of the game felt too long actually detracted from the game mm. add to it, ironically. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was impressive. Impressive. Did you... I'm a big nerd when it comes to soundtracks, guys. Film, game, whatever. Um, I think the soundtrack for 2018 is, is genuinely one of the best game soundtracks out there. Um, yeah, I agree. It, Bear McCreary, I think it's Bear McCreary. Um, some of the tracks on that, so obviously the Kratos' theme... Um, phase theme ultimately phase theme is basically the theme that crops up in this game time and time again it's her singing ultimately I think well, it's mem- I memory it's of mother where she's humming like the yeah that's the best song that's the best in it and um and uh, ashes as well where that you know the music obviously when they cremate her but um that was that theme is incredible but just wondering guys whether um the, some of the most impactful moments for me in the game was basically when that thing you know came up in the flash or dream sequences and that kind of thing i don't know whether you guys have any memories of, of the music impacting you i suppose particularly um but i know it did for me in a lot of areas not, not as much as the first game that's all i'm no. going to say yeah not so i think in the first game i remember very clearly the bit when you cremate her is a very poignant moment with the music. That's quite powerful. And then there's also when Kratos is in Alfheim and he's looking into the light of Alfheim mm. and he thinks he, he hears her voice. I remember the music at that point being quite powerful. And then there's the end of the game when they eventually get to Jotunheim and, you know, spread her ashes. And I, I distinctly remember those moments but in the, the second game I, can't, I couldn't tell you <laughs> at all i can't remember any significant moments where i remembered the music and the scene in particular yeah but that might just be because i played the game a while ago but then i think i, I only played the first game twice i played it once in 2018 and the second time at the end of 2020 so that was over two and a half years ago but I've still those scenes are still stuck in my head. So perhaps it's not just because I played the second game eight months ago. No, I I think that's fair. Another point of memory in terms of music is um, Kratos's. I think no, that's uh, sorry. Let me start again. When you go back to get the Blades of Chaos, which I, me and Al, I think both agree is probably the most poignant moment in that game. Because it collides, you know, Kratos' awful, like, awful past, both from a character perspective, but also from what he did, um, and combines it, obviously, with this new story, and it's just this incredible moment. Um, but yeah, the Kratos' theme sort of crops up in that moment, and, you know, when he's talking to Athena, who's the same voice actress as the first three games, when you're talking to Athena, and... Um, you know, she's like, you're, you're, you're a monster, and he's like, I know, but I'm your monster no longer. It's like that moment I will always remember forever 
until I get Alzheimer's. I'm always going to remember that moment. Um, and um, there's maybe a couple of moments I might remember in Ragnarok, but maybe not. Maybe not. I think what we're, what the conclusion we're coming to is that the first game is actually best than the second game. That's what I'm hearing, really. And I was I was thinking about this earlier. I think what makes the first game, in terms of story, more satisfying is just the whole story is as simple as we're going to take Mother's Ashes to the top of the highest peak. Exactly. That's it. That is that. That's the only goal. Like you ignoring everything else that happens that's ultimately all they want to do <laughs> that's the entire game even though they come across all these challenges and monsters and gods and whatever else all they want to do is get to the highest peak in the nine realms and spread the mother's ashes it's quite it's just such a simple sort of human story and that that's ultimately their goal and what happens at the end Whereas Ragnarok is isn't quite as simple as it. it's a lot more complicated and has it's on a grander scale and has bigger consequences, but it, it feels less human or less relatable, I suppose. Yeah, but yeah. I, I think that's probably what makes it much much more sweeter and satisfying. That you know you have these two a father and son who don't really have a great relationship because Kratos spent all his time hunting, and they both had different relationships with Faye. They're you know the mother and wife respectively and they don't really know each other but they're having to get on and get on with it because they have a common goal of spreading mother's ashes but throughout the game they their arc as they get to know each other better and by the end respect each other and have a better relationship because they want to put you know phase ashes at the, the highest peak and i just think it's such a better it's just got a better story just that in itself is a better story than than Ragnarok. Cause, so maybe it's it's not that one game is better than the other in terms of gameplay, or whatever. But just simply the, the the narrative itself is just nicer. Well, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure Ragnarok has a goal in the first hour. I think Atreus no, tries. To, it I suppose I think Atreus tries to define the goal as we need to kill Odin, but it doesn't really. Set the it's not satisfying, is it? It's not. It's not a heartwarming kind of satisfying goal, which makes you feel sort of complete, I suppose, or mm. or fulfilled compared to the goal in the first game. A couple of um things I want to ask about before I forget. L Heimdall. Biggest stick of oh, is, is he still there? Or is he frozen? No, I'm here. I didn't oh, know if fucking you, hell, you were so there. still then. Jesus Christ! I, I, I thought when you said L, I thought I'm sure you're talking to me, but I just wanted to double check just in fucking case. L. Um, I kind of love how much of a dickhead they made Heimdall. I, I, I genuinely do, but he is the biggest dick of all time, right? He's um very, he's almost like the 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 bald the balder in in this. In this one. Oh, I think it's a bit harsh, but go on. I know it's a bit harsh, but I don't know, like, Thor and Baldur are brothers. But you almost... But Baldur all brings it upon himself, because he's the one trying to fight you. And you're like, fuck off. Leave me alone. And then Heimdall is just a no-all fuckboy. And you're just like, 
fuck off, you need to die. Um, Don't you love the bit? Don't you love his intro, though? Where he's literally like... Climb doors? Yeah, so you're climbing the wall, the mountain, as a Atreus, and he's like, huh, what part of the 3,000-foot wall made you think, yeah, I'm invited? I was just like, oh, I just think it's fucking great, but... I can't remember some of his statements, but I'm sure it was... It's something you know, like I, that. I'm paraphrasing yeah, greatly. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 as you said, I was a bit like, yeah, I'm sure. I remember. I do remember sort of him saying something, fuck you, know, fuck you, sort of thing. Yeah, um, yeah or yeah. whatever. Um, but again, I, I felt well good about fucking punching his fucking face in. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, did, did you guys have any strong feelings towards Heimdall? Or I know he's, I know you're supposed to hate him, so I guess we all do, right? Good character, another good character. I thought it was well written. Do you mind if I Glad ask you guys, <laughs> Foley and Ted? Do you mind if I ask when you say well written in your minds? What what do you what do you mean and think about like like that in terms of what do you mean when you say that? Is it you know the story in general is it characters what what do you guys mean by that because when you say that i wouldn't necessarily like sort of go and be like yeah yeah yeah, no really well written to be honest with you but um what what do you guys mean by that or how do you feel about that oh what you said exactly go on sorry i let you first ted well just their their script i suppose their dialogue okay Mm. Uh, the, well, you've admitted, oh, I hated Heimdall, and I really liked some of the things he said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of in itself is 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 justified the point of it being well written because mm. you're supposed to hate Heimdall because you've got to kill him, and he is supposed to be an arrogant sod who can foresee everything, and so he thinks he's better than everyone else, and. And the same with Boulder, like you, you kind of hate Boulder in the first game, but you weakly feel sorry for him because all he wants to do is just feel like a normal person. Yeah. His mother's cursed him to feel nothing at all at the expense of being invincible or whatever, but he'd rather feel than so that you know, that that is what I mean by well written. And the fact we've all agreed that all the characters are all very good. They all serve their purpose as as intended you know uh you, you couldn't say any one of the characters or any one of the cut scenes or dialogue is poorly executed or or well i mean the voice acting is helps bring it to life as well i guess but yeah, yeah. there's some films you watch or, or things you read where you, you think oh, what are they saying to each other and it's just so corny or that was just so poorly done or like ugh. But I don't feel like any of the scenes in the game felt like that at all. It all felt very genuine and the script writing was very good. I concede. The only thing I would say is maybe Atreus didn't come across as strong as we would have hoped, maybe. Because like, like Foley says, uh, with the best will in the world, I think you, you still like and want to play as Kratos more in every occasion. And I can't. But in in contrast, he isn't supposed to be strong, is he? In a physical sense, or uh, it, I think his character is still very good. 
I think that that as I touched upon earlier, I don't think is necessarily the character's fault. It's just in most games I play, where you play as a side character, you just always want to get back to the main character again. Yeah. Well, in I think the example of this would probably be Abby in The Last of Us Part 2. I don't know if you guys have played that, but... Yeah, but... Oh, fuck it. What are we doing here? What are we fucking doing here? What are we doing here? Talking about God of War, not 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 fucking Last of Us. (laughs) Basically, let's just say you play from the opposite perspective, and um, like literally as opposite as you can fucking imagine. And um, by the end of it, I think L, do you agree that you're like, yeah, I I feel for her side and and point of view, hundred percent. Yeah, you hate it to begin with for what she's done, and then by the end of it, you're like, I see it. She, yeah, you're like I can see why she's pissed. I'm on her side now. So, and I just yeah. I feel like um I don't know with some of the traces moves I was just a bit like sure I guess you're a teenager acting out a bit. You know you're very frustrated with your dad. Um, you want to you want to get laid with Throod. I get it. I get it. But um you know oh by the way how hot is uh Thor's wife? All my days. <laughs> yeah, she, she was always supposed to be quite beautiful in the stories, and her hair—hair hair is made by the dwarfs because, well, no, I'm digressing again because it there's a story where Loki magically oh, he shaves her head or something in the night, and she wakes up without any hair, and Loki's done something to her hair, so Thor. Gets really angry and says, "I'm going to kill you if you don't get her hair to grow back." So, and that's actually how Thor's hammer's made. But anyway, that's a long story. But anyway, the <laughs> point is, the dwarfs make her a magical wig or whatever, so she has this amazing hair, and that's why she has nice, nice blonde hair. But that's probably completely different in the in the game because Loki is a trace, and obviously that hasn't happened. Yeah, no, but she I has got great in the game. Um. I think we probably haven't given enough attention to um to one of the key characters of the whole game, Amir. I mean, he's he's the best, right? No, I don't feel like Amir was significant though in this game. No, really? No, I disagree. I think he was much more significant. Yeah, I have to agree you with find that. Out so find... much more about you. Find out so much more about him. I don't remember, no, but I feel like it's. He in the first game, you you of course cut his head off, and he helps you. He explains to you kind of the history of the gods and what all the realms are, and how to get to Jotunheim and about Tyr and everything. And he tells you all these stories whilst you're sailing around Midgard on the Lake of Nine. But I don't feel like he had that same impact in the second game. Same. Totally. Oh, do you agree? I think they're on crack. No, I, I, no, I think he had a bit more of an impact in Ragnarok. He definitely was a bit more of a another father figure for Atreus, almost, if you like, another shoulder of wisdom. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't agree with that. But maybe because I haven't played the I haven't played the first one for ages. I mean, you know, I haven't played it since twenty twenty. So you know, I I can't really remember what it was like. But from what I do remember, I think. 
yeah, more significant role in, in Ragnarok. I and think, he's more effective. I think you guys are right in that maybe he didn't have quite the um, same bold and memorable stories as you're wandering around. But I think part of that is probably because obviously we get introduced to the fact that, well, actually, Mamir's side, as detailed as it is, is only one side of the story. And, you know, you get told by Thor and Throod and Odin throughout the game that, oh, did Mimir tell you that? Because there is a missing part to that story. You know, there's two <laughs> sides to every story. But I also think, like, the development of the whale in Svartalheim and how Mimir helped enslave the oh. whale and how he helped basically fuck over every god there is, including Freya, I think is a good character development for him. You know what I mean? And, and fighting the the Valkyries um in other terms you know and he's like oh i hate these berserkers kill him so yeah i think i i know what you're saying because i'm not saying that mimir didn't have a bigger part or that wasn't as interesting i just think from that first game because you are traveling a lot like ted said on the boat there's almost an element of storytelling where you just shut up and listen and sometimes you found yourself not getting to the shore yet because you wanted to finish to hear what Mimir was about to say, right? So it's a bit like that first game was a bit like, well, whatever he's going to tell me is probably going to be important and it's, it's interesting. And it's probably the same in, in Thingy, but it, it's probably just because we're used to it and it's just side stuff. Yep, go on, Mimir, keep telling the story. Yep, that's fine. Yep, yep, I, yep. Fine, yeah, no worries. Okay, thank you. But like from the first game, it was way more, I don't know, captivating, I guess. Oh, okay. The first, the first game, there aren't so many characters and you're, you're, you're a lot no. more isolated. Like it's just basically Kratos and Atreus and Mimir is your only kind of key into that world. He explained he tells you the stories and the history between the gods and why Odin is how he is and what happened between Odin and Freya and, and what happened to the giants, what happened to Tyr. And he is kind of your main vessel, if you like. You rely heavily on him to help assist you get to where you need to be and enlighten you about why certain events have happened and why you know things are the way they are. And I think he has more significance in that sense. Whereas in the second game, I feel like his significance is detracted because you have all these other, you know, storylines going on and other characters. And he just doesn't seem quite as, uh, he just, just doesn't stand out as more. He's, he's, he's like a smaller fish in a bigger pond. Whereas in the first game, he's a, he's a big fish in a smaller pond kind of thing. Yeah. No, I, th- I get that. I think that's fair. I think you're probably right, L, in that the stories are probably a little bit more captivating. But again, I wonder whether that's because there's so much to know. You know, at that point, we we know nothing about all these gods and the worlds and realms and the history. But, um, but yeah, I I get I get that. I get your argument, your point of view for sure. Um, yeah. What's um what's everyone's favourite moment from Ragnarok? Do we have a favourite moment? I'm Ragnarok this because it's the only bit we almost haven't brought up. Um, and for me, it's the bar scene when you go when uh, Odin tells Atreus to go get Thor to find the second part of the mask, last and part. you go to this last tavern. Part. The last part? Oh, the last part. Sorry, the yeah. last part. Then the mask. 
Um, oh yeah, it would be the last part. Sorry, because you've, you've he's already got the first bit, and then you go get the second bit in Muspelheim. So yeah, so he tells you to go to this, this the Great Hall Tavern, I think is, and he's obviously drunk, and there's a bar fight, and I think that, and I think going back to an earlier question, I think that's the only music that I also remember that is obviously different from the original game. That I was a bit like it's almost like the Benny Hill theme or something like that. It was quite entertaining, but that that was my favorite bit personally i just i just love that bit i don't know why i just loved it yeah i thought it was great too Um, foley when i got the platinum trophy and i turned it off (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) in, in, in 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 all seriousness i thought when i think back one of the shining moments is when like a massive twist happens, and then Tyr is revealed as Odin. It was a it was a great twist, one that I didn't see coming. I didn't see. I I completely didn't see it coming. It was like it really was like whoa shit. Um, that was really good. That was a great moment in the game. Um, what else? Yeah, there's a couple others, but yeah a few but nothing like that i think that was probably the best moment in the game for me when it was that was a big because that was a big such a big shock i was like wow but yeah Head, I've, that's got, mine. I've got i've got an idea i've got a theory of what yours will be but what's yours i mean mine isn't particularly well i don't know i i, I think my fa- it's not very story orientated but my favorite part is is the bit where in muspelheim when you find the fire giant and you fight two valkyries don't you before yeah yes you do yeah he does his thing cursed and mist or something like that yeah so that i think that was my favorite part of the game just because the graphics in that moment were arguably some of the best i've ever seen and i just remember in that moment looking around you know looking craters just moving the camera around looking up at the ceiling of wherever you are the sky wherever and just like taking it in with all and then yeah so that that fight scene before it with the two valkyries is great and it's such and that is ultimately the well there's many significant parts of the story but without that key element ragnarok doesn't sort of begin because he has to i can't remember exactly what he has to do he has to do something with his heart doesn't he with the ice giant who he loves but he doesn't want to kill her, yeah. Kill so her. instead, they use Kratos as chaos yes. blade. Yeah, yeah. So without that, he he then doesn't become that huge giant, and he then instead goes to Asgard and starts tearing the place up. So anyway, that that would be my favourite part. I like riding the yak and collecting the little seeds. That was cute. <laughs> I fucking hated that bit. It's oh, <laughs> so boring. That was that was boring. Oh I admit, that was boring. Jesus that was boring. Christ. I thought you were going to say I liked riding the the seaweed horse for a second there, but um, that was a good scene. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. Apparently they're not. Um, they're, apparently they're not Norse mythology they're, they're at all. Well, the the seaweed. Yeah, that creature is not Norse mythology oh. at all. I think um, they have to pan the gap to see how do we get to these, you know future seeing hags or whatever under the sea yeah so yeah. yeah obviously why i use that i don't know but you know 
I didn't mind it. I thought it was quite interesting. You know, it was interesting. I was like, oh, wow. Oh, what realm was that again? Is Midgard. it Midgard? Yeah. What was it? Was it Midgard? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Mick, I'm going to bet you yours was... The, the first fight with Thor. What? What is it? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Oh, oh cliche. It is cliche. Do you know oh, what? I was sitting here. I was. I was sitting here thinking about it. And if I'm honest with you, up it's probably you know the tear twist, or it's not even you know the moment where Faye tells Kratos basically how to live at the end of the game. You know when Kratos and Atreus, Atreus comes in and he's like, "Can I sleep in your tent?" I know that's not very exciting, oh, yeah. but I was thought that was an amazing moment. And then Kratos has the final yeah. dream vision with Faye, and that's where she tells him like how to live his life. Good development, doesn't it? So shows a lot of good development, especially Kratos and Atreus's relationship. That scene, especially. But um, if so, not, I, I genuinely, I fucking I love Thor and I love Boulder and like every scene with Thor in it, I'm absolutely captivated. And I know he's not even necessarily as interesting as Odin, but I just love him. So, and I love the I love the acting. Oh my god. Well, Thor's interesting because he's conflicted, isn't he? Because mm, yeah, he wants to be a good father and a good husband, but equally he can't be whilst Odin commands him to go around and do his dirty work. And I think there's an element of guilt as well that hangs over him because he's probably ashamed of killing so many giants and whatever else, like truthfully deep down, although he does hate giants or supposedly hates giants. And then he yeah. drinks it, doesn't need to try and take away the pain, and then it just makes it worse. And he's not the most intelligent, and Odin uses that to manipulate him. So he, he's he's got a conflict, doesn't he? He's a bit like, well, like lots of, lots of other characters you could think of, you know, certain, I mean, I could go back to Blood. He's Star Wars again. He's a bit like Darth Vader, isn't he, I suppose, in a way, like he's evil and bad, but at the same time, he, he kind of doesn't want to be, really. Mm. Which is what makes him interesting, why you like him. I think um we've got it absolutely, Ted. By the way, I think um we've probably got. Oh, I feel like I should sh- shout out the um the the opening cinematic. Well, when Thor and Odin arrive at 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 the hut, <laughs> I think um we've just been waiting for that scene for so long. Um, it was yeah, I just thought it was great, you know. And obviously, it mm. ends with the click of the fingers through the roof here we go um and even though maybe odin hasn't wasn't expecting sorry odin didn't look how we were expecting i still think um it was a good scene to be honest yeah Yeah, it's a very powerful opening cut scene even though it's not even officially like the opening yeah yeah. but i know what you mean it's like it gets you used to the game the combat and everything and then you have an app and then you're like Fuck! Here we are. This is what the what secret doing. ending was. Here we go. Exactly. Exactly. And Ratos then... gear is the most underrated character. Though. I'm just going to put it out there. Oh fuck! It off. was the squirrel. the squirrel. The squirrel. I thought you said. I thought you said the squirrel's name. I was like, what? It's called, is he Ratatasca? Is that his name? That's it. It's stuff like that, isn't it? Yeah. Jesus Christ! Legend. I think. Um, I prefer... Go on. I'd say I preferred the um, 
the, the ghost squirrels of the different emotions. Uh-huh. Yeah. Because I'm sure one of them tells you, you say, like, fuck off or something yeah. like that. Or something <laughs> like yeah, that. there's like a profanity <laughs> squirrel or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah profanity squirrel. <laughs> something there like is that. one squirrel where you encourage it to do something, don't you? The one that's quite anxious. anxious. And, yeah. and then by the end, you prove to it that it can do something, and then it goes, oh, oh, thanks. Oh, something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I do also like um, Thor's sort of like first few lines in the game. You know, like you seem like a calm, reasonable person. Yeah, <laughs> are you a calm, <laughs> reasonable person? It's the first thing he does because obviously, like the the scene is where it, like it, the camera pans down to um, the hammer, and there's little little bits of lightning, and then he reaches yeah. back and he pulls out a thing of me. He's like. I brought mead. <laughs> yeah. That's and like then, uh, I fucking love that shot as well when he's walking up to Kratos and you're like, you can take him, you can take him. And then he's twice oh, the height of Kratos and you're like, yeah, I can't fucking take him. Yeah. Um, fuck. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Right. It's getting late, boys. I appreciate it's a weeknight. So I do appreciate um, you took nerding out with me about this uh, video game. It's Santa Monica who made this game. What do you guys just think, out of curiosity, what do you think they will look at making next? Because if my theory is correct, that they do have two teams, because Corey Barlog, who directed 2018, I think he was creative director on this game, but I'm sure to hell he's directed another game there. What do we think they're making, if anything? Um, could be new IP, could be something else. Um, and do you also, do you want another God of War game if in a in a in our in our version of the universe, it could happen in this one. Do you want that? So I'll I'll go opposite. L. I'll start with you. What do you think they're doing? Do you want another God of War game? Something completely new. No, I don't want another God of War game. Reasons for something new? Um, they can do something if they can, like every other PlayStation. <laughs> well-written single-player game like Horizon or Ghost of Tsushima or anything like that, as long as they have that principle, I'm sure they can write or create something good and use that and and do something there. And I think they're, they're a team that are able to do that. And that's why we need something new, not God of War-related, no, it doesn't have to be completely different. I'm not saying first-person shooter or anything like that. I'm just saying something else. Let's let's hear it and see it. That's it. So you want a battle royale game? Joking. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I I just want something something like you know something creative that like yeah. a story like Horizon or Ghost of Tsushima where it doesn't have to be about life. It doesn't have to be real technically. It can be based off history or mythology in this case or whatever. It can be whatever it wants, but again, it has to have captivating features that you want to learn about and you want to understand and characters that you fall in love with. The environment's not going to be an issue with any of those games anyway because everything looks fucking beautiful. But yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what that's what I want from them. Yeah. Um, to be fair, Al, to your point, you know, my two favorite games i mean the last of us was a new ip 10 years ago so all i'm trying to say is who knows like 
I think when people say like new IP or new product, they're like, oh, but why? You know, sequels are, you know, interesting, exciting. But what I mean is we could get the best game ever. We don't fucking know, right? We don't know. Who knows what they could do? 2018, the war was going to be this fucking good. No one did. 100%. Foley, what do you, what do you want them to do? Um, clearly got the tools and the ability to make a great game. So a new game would be very interesting. But I just think that they are probably working on another God of War related story in the background because it just makes too much money. And that's why. Um, but I would like to see a new project from them. What that'll be, I don't know. But, um, you know, they've clearly got the, as I said, tools and the ability to do it. So. Yeah, that's my two P. Throwing your dart on the board there, uh, Foley. Where do you reckon they'll go, or where do you want them to go for like mythology wise? Because you know, yeah. Where where would you like them to go? Well, I heard they, I heard they, um, were definitely finished with the north side of things. So if that is true, then yeah, realistically, there's nothing really left to tell in that aspect of it, which is cool. Um. They, uh, as someone, you know, Ted said earlier, there's how many other mythologies out there. They could explore any of them, but you know, however, how a received that will be, you don't know, do you? But it could be an Atreus focused game. I know we said it's he's not really a, that great of a character to carry it on his own, but I just don't know. I, I'm, my, my only reason for them saying they would do another God of War is because just because of the money factor, not because they should, but it's because it just makes too much money. And that's that's a sad thing when you think about it, but you know we're looking at probably you're looking at probably twenty twenty six, twenty twenty seven. By that point, you know I've had five years since the last one. There's plenty of time to put something together. Um, you know, four years each game. I think they spent, didn't they? So if they um, if they don't um, make another God of War game, Foley, do you think? I don't know who owns it. To be fair, but do you think Sony might? ask another studio to make a game? Very good question. Again, it comes down to how much they think this is going to make. If they think it's genuinely something that they really want as part of their lineup for, you know, the next couple of, well, for the next couple of years, that'll probably be towards the end of the PS5's lifespan if it does come out. You know, it just depends if they, they think it's going to be something that they need to strengthen the market. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I think they probably would, but who knows? Um, would I want it? Would I want to play it? Probably, but you know, it's not. I wouldn't be screaming for it. I wouldn't. No. I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm. I'm really, really happy about that. I played the end of Ragnarok. I thought that it'd be good to have another game, but you know, w- would I die to play it? Not really. Yeah, Ted. I hope they're making Jack and Daxter four. Finn's resurrection. Oh, fuck your way. Do you think Naughty Dog <laughs> Naughty Dog's gone, listen. We need Santa Monica. Creators of God of War. We're doing Jack and Daxter. God of War type style though. Uh I think uh so to your point about whether Sony would get another studio to make it, no, because they own Santa Monica, so they'd just tell them to do it anyway. Uh, 
So I guess that. Oh, the, well, yeah, that's a good point. Santa Monica will do what Sony tell them because Sony own Santa Monica, like they do Naughty Dog and Insomniac games now. Uh, I'd imagine they will make another God of War IP, but I think it will be Atreus, older Atreus, a well-travelled, mature Atreus. He won't be the little kind of wimpy kid here we know. He'll probably be a mature, stock, you know, muscular, athletic, you know, well-travelled, battle-hardened character. Because he's looking for giants, right? So... The giants would have gone to another land somewhere, let's say Egypt, perhaps, and the giants might be in Egypt or something, living within the Egyptian mythological sphere, and they think they could then write in, you know, Horus and I can't remember the Anubis and all the you know all the Osiris, other gods, and Isis, yeah, 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 and then it could be like. Oh well, the giants built the pyramids. Now, now it will make you know. Do you know like now it makes yeah, sense? Yeah. Um, things like that. So they could they could do that, but equally they have the talent, I'm sure, to come up with a completely new world. And you know, and perhaps they want to because they've only ever made God of War, haven't they, Santa Monica? Well, predominantly only God of War. That's all they're known for, isn't it? So maybe they themselves will be like, we want to prove that we can do something other than God of War. Yeah, but whatever they do, I'm sure it'll be very good because they are one of Sony's crown jewels now. And to be honest, I can't, you know, Insomniac, Naughty Dog, and Santa Monica, none of them make bad games, do they? Really? So, hundred percent. Just what's interesting is that the um, license and name God of War means so it's so different in its meaning now to what it was pre 2018. You know, like literally yeah. a completely different thing. And I well, think, it's an um, adult, an adult game, wasn't it? It was like mm. it was a button basher, very gory, very graphic, violent, uh, just a nutter. You just played as this lunatic with the with blades chained to his arms, cutting everything up. Whereas it's now much more than that, isn't it? In terms of story and character development, hundred percent. And what I'm interested in is. 2018 was a reinvention for many reasons. I don't necessarily think they will reinvent it. But what I would be curious about is will they see this as an opportunity to to change it up a little bit? I don't necessarily want that. I could probably do with a game like this every two years. I'd probably play it. I'd probably love it. Um, But I'm just curious if they're from a creative perspective, if they're yearning to change it up, to be fair. I don't know. I don't know. You know, does it need to be? Does it need to be third, over the shoulder, last of us, third person with a smaller little helper along you at all times? I don't know. You know, but um, what do I think they will make? I'll be really honest, boys. I literally haven't got a Scooby. I feel like no. my my gut tells me. My God! Ah, oh. honestly, I couldn't tell you. I feel like it's 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 like as as likely for them to be making a brand new IP and a brand new type of game or game as it is them making another God of War game. I genuinely, I, if they came out and they were like, "Surprise! Corey Barlog's been working on the next installment," 
um, or, you know, either Atreus's new journey or actually there are some old bits we wanted to finish off. We think there's another story here. It's a trilogy. Ta-da! <laughs> I don't know. Um, I genuinely haven't got a clue. I, I only know that they tried to make a new IP. I think it was a sci-fi game. Um, during the period of of the development of God of War 2018, and basically the, the project got cancelled. So I just don't know what they'll do, um, and I don't know what Sony will ask them to do because without getting too much in the weeds of it, Sony at the moment seems to be asking all their amazing first party studios to make multiplayer games, which is the worst fucking idea I've ever heard. So um, and I'm not exaggerating there. Like apparently Naughty Dog have been making a multiplayer game for last of us for the past four or five years and it's gone to shit so i just don't know what we're gonna get but i hope it's something like this or as good as this you know yeah it does seem i think people are getting more into single player games again now aren't they like i know there's call of duty and fortnite and games like that people play avidly still but i can't think of like a major online game which is you know everyone's playing what everyone's talking about so i think moment don't don't they they what sorry they all every game has their moment Mm. yeah i feel like like, when when the xbox 360 ps3 came out and they were online capable everyone went mad didn't they for online gaming because everyone had only ever played single player games so the fact you could then play with your friends online and talk to them it just exploded but i now feel like it's kind of gone full cycle now everyone's more interested in playing retro games again and playing remakes of of games from 20 years ago like resident evil 4 for example i'd say that it's probably been one of the most hyped and most talked about kind of releases of this year uh and it's a remake of a game from 2005 and it's purely single player so I'd like to hope that they keep Santa Monica just making single player games. It seems Insomniac are only making single player, aren't they? Because they're making Spider-Man and Wolverine. Yeah. And possibly another Ratchet and Clank. Yeah. Yeah. I think um the the talent at Santa Monica are just too good, aren't they? Well, with all the studios you mentioned, Ted as well. But the talent's just so good. Like you just look at this game and you're like, fucking hell, no one else can make this game. Uh, or, or at least if, if Naughty Dog can make it, they can't make it quite in the same way. Do you know what I mean? It's it's just nuts. And if it was that it easy, everyone would do it. Well, you say that, but it makes you wonder whether, is it just a coincidence? Or are they that good? Because, well, they obviously are that good, but I mean, why is it only a select few game studios can make these exceptional games, and yet all these other studios make such below-average subpar games is it just that it is really really hard to make a game and these studios are the only ones who can make really good games or is it just that all the other game studios on the planet are just just really really bad (laughs) in you know should it should it be this bad you know should there be more consistency like why why is it only ever one in however many games that comes out which is exceptional like a Red Dead 2 or or a Zelda or a God of War or, you know, or Witcher 3 or something like that. You know, the Witcher 3, for example, 
they made that game in like four years because The Witcher 2 came out in what, 2011? That sounds right. And then The Witcher 3 came out in 2015. And still to this day, people struggle to, to compete with it or they copy it at least anyway. So how is it possible for CD Projekt Red to have made that game in four years, let's say? They, they probably worked on it before 2011, but four years between the release of Witcher 2 and Witcher 3, and yet they make one of the greatest games ever, which revolutionised the way RPGs are played from there on. So is it just that game studios these days are just really lazy and poorly funded and don't get enough time to develop games? But when they are given that time, they could all make games like God of War. Yeah, I think, I it's, I think it's funding. I think it's time. Um, again, Cyberpunk's an example where time wasn't on their side. From going from which to that, you know, they've damaged the name, unfortunately. Um, and, and, and I'll be honest, I think a lot of people were expecting when they found out that Santa Monica were doing God of War, again, I wasn't, I wasn't part of that hype train about it because I didn't really understand it at that point. I knew there were three games before it, but I think a lot of people probably even thought, really, you're doing God of War again? Yeah, totally. It would have only been... Sorry to interrupt, yeah. I was just going to say... No. God of War Ascension came out 2013 and the reveal for this game with the trailer, the gameplay trailer and everything was E3 2016. So you've got to think, right. in three years' time, you're not going to have people going, oh, fucking want a God of War game. I mean, you have a few people, but not many. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly that. So, yeah, it's. I think there's there's elements. I think time... I think with The Witcher, what helped was the first couple of games had done well for itself. Even though it was like PC only, they had done well. And I think they were sort of just given freedom to do it. And with freedom, you you get to create the game that you want to create. And in this case, for a lot of PlayStation games that they've released like Spider-Man, Ghost, Horizon, they've all been phenomenal. And, yeah, I don't know, coincidence? A little bit. Like, I don't think we're ever going to get this again. Do you remember, like, do you know what I mean? Like, we had God of War, we had Horizon, we had Spider-Man, oh. all within five years or something. I don't think we're ever going to have that again, where we get I those sort of level of yeah. I think that's the best PlayStation generation. Like, I genuinely do. That PS4, that that second half of PS4. Even, like, Bloodborne. you got Bloodborne, Spider-Man, Ghost of Tsushima, Horizon, yeah. um, Last Plus. of Us, Last of Us Part 2. Yeah. It, it, it goes on. It, God of War, it, it's fucking... It's mental. Every single one of those games could be someone's favourite game of all time, frankly. Just put yeah. it out there. So... Yeah, I think whether they do, they'll make a good game. Whether it's God of War or not, Sony will give them the time and funding to, yeah, to make whatever they want to make. I and think they'll give um, them confidence and backing to do it. I think um, I think it is talent, Ted, because I would hope that Xbox also 
apparently leave studios and give them their freedom but also give them the funding because they're a rich company and yet oh i'm gonna be really offensive here but let's be honest the results from their exclusive studios are like nothing basically in the last 10 years well even now i can't i couldn't i mean i don't follow xbox much or what microsoft are doing but I couldn't tell you of any games I've heard of recently where anyone's been that excited about what Xbox are doing or have released. Uh, Even now, what the Xbox, the, so the latest generation of consoles came out coming up to three years ago. And even still, what have, what have Microsoft done? I know they've been buying as many studios as possible, like Bethesda and Activision, whatever else. But even then, you know, we're probably halfway through the this console generation realistically and nothing has come out like with, with of significance and yet at least sony have pumped out horizon 2 spider-man's this year had a god of war ratchet and clank uh i might be missing something else final possibly. fantasy 16 just come out exclusive i suppose i know it's not first party to be fair but you think, and and that's just what's come out so far. Coming out so far, there'll be a Wolverine game within the next two years as well, I imagine, which will probably be fantastic if Insomniac yeah. are making it. So, and whatever else Naughty Dog are up to, and whatever else Santa Monica might be cooking. Yeah, you know. So, uh, I I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what Xbox's plan is. When this star, when this star field game comes what was it starfield or whatever starfield yeah i suppose that they'll hope that might be their saving grace but bethesda haven't made anything good since skyrim let's be honest so i think we'll have to end it there for another another topic for another (laughs) podcast and on that note (laughs) grace that's that's what they're hoping this starfield is going to save Xbox possibly, but even then, they basically just bought it, didn't they? They just bought the no, game. That's true. But, that's true. It's know, going to come yeah. out anyway. It's probably going to come out to both consoles. But Xbox are like, nope, we're not giving that to PlayStation. So yeah, is what it well, is. But I can anyway, now we'll be having that same conversation when Nick plays Resident Evil Four for the first time. Ted, <laughs> they'll have to be. We need to fucking talk about this shit. I'm calling it right now. I'm calling. I think Nick, just, just saying, I think you need to play the original Resident Evil 4, the PlayStation 2 version, or whatever, you know, the 2005 version, and then play the remake, because you'll appreciate the remake more when you play the original, I think. Or just sit through a seven-hour YouTube gameplay. Of the whole I, don't game. know if I, can, I don't know if I can bring myself to do that. I haven't got enough time on my hands for that. Or even look up scenes. Look up all cut scenes or something. Do you like mean from hours. a story perspective, Ted, or a gameplay? Uh, but gameplay, but... Really, because when I played the remake, I appreciated the subtle differences they made to certain points in the game where I, I expected something to happen which didn't, and they changed it, or they changed a certain level, or they changed a certain path. or And I just thought, oh, that's so much better. Oh, that's so much smoother. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, that's cool. So throughout the whole game, I was just like geeking out over all the little differences that I was noticing, which you wouldn't appreciate, of course, if you hadn't played the original. So, sure. but but maybe, but saying that, because me and Elle have played the original, it'd be interesting because you and Foley haven't. 
to understand how you enjoyed the game and appreciated the game compared to someone who played the original, if you see what I mean. Yeah, totally. Totally. Well, like um, God of War 2018, leave a lot of questions. We'll just leave that Resident Evil 4 question base pot right there uh, for next time, maybe, if we do another one. Um, cheers, guys, for the time. I think we'll go to sleep now. It's a bit late. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, till next amazing game, probably uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Isn't that right, Foley? I think that's what we're most excited for. I'm done with that, dude. I can't do that. Oh, <laughs> I can't. Disappointing. Disappointing. All right, guys. 